Radio Mano Papachango. again talking to this microphone like a crazy person all alone in my apartment just talking to myself uh this this episode is with the great simon rex you may know him by the cut of his jib you may also know him by uh his alter ego and dirt nasty he's a rapper he's a comedian he's a goofball he's an actor <clears throat> he was in Scary Movie 3, 4, 5. He's been in so many fucking movies. I mean, every time I hang out with a guy, it turns out he, there are other movies that he was in. I should probably read his Wikipedia page is what I should probably do. But I, I tend to do the research way, way after it has any value. But anyway, Simon and I have become buddies. You heard us in the car going down to visit Stanley the other day. <clears throat> and... um my other buddy, Malcolm, uh, who is, we've been friends for years now. He's one of the producers at the Young Turks. He's a wonderful dude, super smart, super funny. He's a columnist for the, uh, oh, I don't remember, the San Jose Mercury Weekly Standard or some shit like that. I don't remember. He, he says what it is. Uh, but you can follow him on Twitter. He's a culture schlock. S-C-H-L-O-C-K. Um, yeah, he's a sweet guy. I really, I really like Malcolm. He's, Malcolm's the only person who sends me a Christmas card every year. And, and it's always a doozy. There's a photograph of the family, normally in some sort of um, hilariously strange, awkward situation. Uh, there's an explanation of what everybody's been up to over the year uh it's very personal and sweet and old-fashioned and you know malcolm's the kind of guy that everyone's mother wishes that you had turned out more like i think that's that's what malcolm's like simon on the other hand is the kind of guy everyone's mother wishes that she'd had sex with when she was young <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know what everyone's mother thinks about me, but we had a good conversation. It was fun. It was long. Went over two and a half hours. Uh, we were setting records with this one. Um, but yeah, we had a really good time. We were at the Young Turks studios in Culver City, and then we went to their end of the year annual party and uh, ate some sliders. Sliders. That's a weird word for little burgers, isn't it? sliders um yeah anyway i'm not going to talk anymore because this is the second podcast this week and you're going to hear me talking enough so what i'm going to do is i'm just going to turn this over to listener yasin bara who sent me uh, a little recording that he made uh talking about why he thinks supporting the podcast is a good idea financially on patreon if you can afford it uh, and I'm going to let him say that so that I don't have to because, you know, I get embarrassed and bashful when I 
ask people for money. So I don't like to do that. I don't even like to suggest that people buy things. I'm, I'm such a shitty businessman. I was over at Reza Aslan's house this morning and, uh, we uh, recorded the podcast you may have heard in the last episode. Guy's got a beautiful house. Beautiful. He's got, I don't know, three or four bestsellers, and he's probably, I think he's a professor somewhere. And Man, if I worked harder, I could have a big house like that instead of living in my fucking van. But I like my van. So by the time you hear this, I'll be in my van down in Baja because I'm recording this uh, intro Tuesday afternoon, and we're leaving at 5 a.m., Wednesday morning and this will go out Thursday so by the time you hear this me and my van will be with Kyle Tierman on a beach in Baja Mexico hopefully uh and uh so that's what I get instead of the big house anyway this is Yasin Barra and uh then from from him we'll just go straight into the conversation thanks for listening hope everything's great wherever you are and uh yeah, be nice to yourself. Hey, what's up, fellow Tangentially Speaking listeners? My name is Yasin Barra, coming to you from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Uh, like you, I'm an enthusiast of uh, of the pod. Um, lately, uh, Chris has been taking voice notes from people explaining uh, why it is that they choose to support the podcast via Patreon, and I thought I would uh, chip in my two cents in support of the fine work that he does. Uh, so for me, I think the reason that I choose to support in that way comes down to, to maybe the same reason why Chris himself chooses not to go the more conventional route of simply inserting advertisements into the middle of his podcast. And, and that is that I think many of the problems that we can all sort of readily identify in the world around us are a function of uh, essentially corporate interests. And so um, even to the extent that, that most of us will go to polling stations every so often and, and cast votes in support of you know certain elected officials, uh, and that has some bearing on the landscape around us. Even those elected officials are, of course, uh, heavily sub- subject to uh, the influence of those corporate interests by way of uh, lobby groups and things of that nature. So um, even more important than the uh, the actual voting that we do every so often then is the fact that every day we get up and we spend money out of necessity or otherwise um, and the way that we spend that money ends up governing the uh, sort of economic forces that shape the world around us. So every time we spend money at a, a McDonald's or a Walmart, we're sort of uh, casting in vo- a vote in favor of, of the status quo where, you know, corporations, big corporations in particular, have, you know, disproportionate uh, influence on uh, on the world around us. And, and conversely, every time we spend money at a maybe a local business or otherwise allocate our economic resources in a way that... Uh, that doesn't feed into the, uh, um, you know, the, the the sort of the large corporate forces. I guess uh, we are casting a vote in favor of uh, a more sustainable world, and I imagine, uh, you know, a world that that we all, uh, as listeners of this podcast, would prefer to uh, to live in. Um, and the other, you know, sort of key realization I've made around this stuff is that, you know, in in consciously allocating my dollars. Um, uh, you know, to a version of the world that that essentially I want to live in, I end up feeling you know a greater deal of agency, and so every time I make a purchase from a small business as opposed to uh, you know a big corporation or, or what have you, um, I end up feeling like I have uh, exerted some small amount of control over uh, the world around me, and so even in chipping in just a few bucks to the podcast via Patreon, um, I'm able to feel every month like I've uh, you know just in that small way exerted a little bit of 
control uh, and uh, applied some of the uh, modest economic power that I as an individual have, uh, you know, in support of of Chris and his work and uh, the various themes that surround this podcast, namely those of, you know, community, uh, egalitarianism, collectivism uh, versus, you know, the uh, the prevailing winds of tribalism and sort of divisiveness that uh, that are uh, a result, I guess, of the uh, the corporate interests that uh, that we were speaking about earlier, I guess. So that that's my two cents. Uh, hopefully, this um, strikes a chord with somebody who then goes on to uh, to choose to give even you know just a couple of bucks that uh, that they can afford every month to uh, to keep this thing going. So, uh, Chris, keep up the great work. Thanks very much. I've been accused of. All right, I'm uh, I'm here in the. Um the, the palatial headquarters of the Young Turks. Nice word. Palatial. Yeah, I use that word a little. Do you, do you use that because that's my word? Or you just, no, that's, it's that's not my, your fucking word, no, I mean, I didn't man. make up the word palatial. I've been but using that word since you were wiping... No. Since I was wiping I was my say, own ass? I was going to say shit in your pants, <laughs> so like, but then yeah, yeah, it yeah. came out wiping, and it's yeah. like, yeah, you probably still do wipe your I own ass, don't you? I still, okay. He may so, still shit in his pants also. No, actually, he's got a nurse now, okay. so maybe, been, maybe that's yeah, what it since is. Since I've been wiping my own ass, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> way back in the day. No, that's one of my favorite words, by the way. That's just, palatial. Oh, I did, it's amazing. I did see that you did something recently. Palatial regalia. It was a short A regalia, that yeah, was the other one. I used two words and made a short film with my buddies about overusing those words obnoxiously so yeah I'll show it to obnoxious you. that's a good one too good several one. several syllables describe our what is that can you tell me what that means it's it's a, it's a synonym for palatial but oh, it's really? what, what was the word sybaritic really s-y-b-a-r-i-t-i-c now, see now that's just pretentious bullshit right right there. that's exactly <laughs> what i'm going for yeah. yeah i think palatial is within the realm of of non-pretentiousness the problem with palatial sybaritic, is that's crossword puzzle <laughs> sat shit the problem with palatial is that it's spelled with a T instead of a C, like right, palace. So people right. misspell it a lot. Right. Right. So, uh, oh, like that's glacial, why like glacial, palatial. It would think. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, and so, then with glacial, you get into the problem of Arctic and Arctic. There's, you know, this, this English is a English fish. is a minefield. Yes, as as someone who taught English for. 20 odd years. Well, the thing is, when you start teaching English, unless you years. studied it, I mean, you just you just taught it because you knew English, right? You well, not... I learned it through teaching it, basically. Right, because once yeah. you start teaching it, you're like, oh yeah, we do conjugate verbs, I guess, just like everybody else. Well, I didn't even know what conjugate meant when I started teaching English. I, I didn't know the difference between an adverb and an adjective. I had no fucking idea. I was that, I hated grammar right. in school. Because I hate anything that feels like busy work learning, you know? It's yeah. like, I know how to talk English. Good. <laughs> you talk good English. Yeah. Sure. So, I mean, my mother taught English and you know, she corrected me. Turns out, a couple things she planted in there were wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's. that's uh, Which I discovered in my 20s, you know. But, uh, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't know shit about her. Anyway, I'm here with Malcolm. What the fuck is your last name, man? I always call you Fleischman. It's not Fleischman. No, I don't think it is. I think I'm like anti Semitic or something. Like all, and I'm not all, even Jewish. You're not even Jewish. <laughs> Seriously? You're that anti Semitic. I'm half Jewish, but you've got enough uh, anti Semitism on you. It, no, it's my father's okay, side. Okay, so you're really then, then it doesn't count. No. I'm, so I'm, I'm half, but my mom is, so I'm full. So, so yeah. Yeah. you're yeah. welcome in the. In I'm the, here with the, two half Jews. The, right. the promised land. I'm, I'm, uh, I consider myself Jew 
Yeah, 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 you know, saw that's, that one. <laughs> that's, that's the, or a semi-Semite is the other one. A semi-Semite, uh, but, nice. uh, Yeah, you did, when you were talking about me in a previous podcast, you did say, I'm so Jewish that I'm, you know, and I'm, and I'm listening to this, I'm like, I'm not even Jewish. Like, <laughs> so, but listen, I just want to say, uh-huh. thank you for that intro. My God, you're, the, what you said before we came on the, the air, introduced, in, no, before, before we started, you know, you recorded uh, before our, you know, when you said we were your favorite guests ever, and all those wonderful things, I mean, I've oh. heard you, I've heard your podcast, and was you always nice? intro it, yeah. with, with, you know, you say some, some nice things about your guests, but that was really, I mean, effusive. Yeah, but see, that was and just that was, a voice exercise. Over the top, that was, I mean, say, and, and handsomest also? The handsomest. I mean, that is just so nice, so thoughtful of you. you see, know, I listen to your podcast, I know, I know what happens, I know you're record them afterwards so now you have to say it <laughs> or make you look stupid oh, or edit me out damn it i knew i should have demanded final cut yeah yeah you know what you should do you should move your your lapel mic to this side of your collar since you're looking over here and that's true yeah uh and i'm also here with simon rex egg dudes which i mean rex isn't even your last name that's my middle name in reality it's my middle name it's your middle name yeah one of the things that's funny about living in la is like virtually, uh, now I'm looking at just a, a driver's license that looks like a fucking mugshot. Well, man. everyone at the DMV is pissed that off by the time like, you get to your turn. I mean, that's like that you know, first day in prison. I yeah, know, I was pissed. Right, was you're pissed. you're like, look, I just got here. Don't mess with me. I'm gonna I'm gonna find the biggest guy and not yeah. you know, take a punch at him. Didn't you show me an old idea? From San Francisco, yeah. look like a homicidal maniac in 1984. But I'm just, yeah, I do. Yeah, that was 1989. That was taken like two weeks before the, the earthquake. earthquake. Yeah, right. yeah. What I was going to say is living in L.A., a funny thing I had to sort of get accustomed to is that virtually, like, there are very few people who use their real names here. They're given names. Right. Either because they're in entertainment, so they've got some mixed configuration of that, or they're like, um, you know, Shanti, Shanti Yogi kind of people. Right. Who who take their ashram name. Oh, okay. You know. Uh, Witness relocation program, maybe? (laughs) Some of that, too. Some of that. Yeah. But, but you don't know that it's well, they, a fake yeah. name with them. That's They're not, not a, like, that's hey, not dude. A break the ice sort of thing. When you meet, first meet people, that's <laughs> discouraged in the, in the program, I think. Yeah. Actually, you and I have something in common. My middle name is King. And yours is that right? For real? Yeah, oh, for right. real. There you go. And Rex means King. Yeah, in absolutely. Latin or something? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. So um, yeah, you, both, yeah. you both had you know that sort of mothers who wanted you to think very highly of yourself uh, no i'm i'm for me i'm named for my grandfather work. and he was it's my, on my father's side the jewish side and he was given the name malcolm because it was it's not a jewish name it's like a scottish name but uh because it was the closest to melach which means king in hebrew oh. and then but she was like in case anybody didn't get the message We'll make King his middle name, right. and then and then right. I was named for him. So, uh, right. and but apparently I was not because I thought my last name was Fleischner. But apparently, according to you, it's Fleischman, <laughs> <laughs> Fleischner, Fleischner. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. And and I was and the whole thing was I was trying to like thank you and be gracious yes. and shit. Yeah. And I got your name it's all wrong. That I'm your guest booker basically. Because Malcolm hooks me up with like some people come into the Young right. Turks, and he's like, hey, I think you you know you should talk to these people. So he's like. Pass me, I don't know, a dozen really great guests, and similar and, uh, to this. Rep. That's right. Yeah. You do the same thing. Yeah, I've done the yeah. Same you hooked you. me up with uh, like Jude Angelini. That yeah. was a really fun conversation yeah. the other day, cool and I had no idea. I, I, I thought I was doing him a favor. It turns out, he he has much bigger pull than I do. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, um, 
Yeah, so this is the first time you guys have met each other. Yeah. So, so, you know, we maybe we can capture some awkward male uh, early bonding kind of stuff here. Yeah. I, I find that's not that kind of awkwardness I have that, you know, beyond gender. It's not, you know, it's men, women, children. He's just across the board. Awkward. I get yeah. awkwardness. Yeah, I don't, there's, it I don't it's specify, not a, yeah. It's not a sexist kind of thing. N yeah, yeah every, I'm an equal opportunity uh, uh, antagonist towards all genders. And uh, so that's, you know, if we had it, it's not because we're both men. Right. It's just because I'm awkward. Right. I'm socially awkward at times anyway. If you don't mind me asking, what is it? Is this? You, uh, do you produce the show here? Like I'm walking in blind. Yeah. Uh, do you exec produce? No, I'm I'm a producer. I'm also a host. The Young Turks, for your viewer or your fans who don't know, uh, is an online news show. It's the largest online news network in the world, as far as we know, and it's progressive, uh, uh, unabashedly so. Our host Jenk Uger used to be was on MSNBC for a while, but he. Uh, parted ways with them because he was too liberal uh, and he was critical of the Obama administration from the left and critical of them for drone strikes and you know, that sort of thing. So, uh, so that, was not, that was not kosher with the MSNBC people, so they parted ways. But he's been doing this show for 15 years now or something like that, some version of it. And we started, it started in his living room of his you know, studio or one, one bedroom apartment in LA 15 years ago. And he started with Ben Mankiewicz, who's a host on uh, uh, Turner Classic Movies, if you know, and uh -huh. uh, whose grandfather wrote Citizen Kane. But I'm going far afield here. So anyway, but the, what we do is a daily news show, two-hour news show, Monday through Friday, and then we have a bunch of other peripheral shows, and it's all online. I produce certain shows here. I produce our interviews, which is why when we have people who come in for interviews, one-on-one -on -one interviews with Jenk, that's when I meet them, people like uh, Michael Wood, who uh, mm. Kelly Carlin, right. um, Reza Aslan, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and then there. Are, so if there are ones who come in who I book for him and prep for him, and I'm reading up on their their bios or whatever, and I think they'd be good for you to talk to. I you know I, I hook them, hook you know send them your way, and then I also head up our Facebook Originals program, which is as you may know, Facebook Video is very big right now, and so we have invested in Facebook, but. Uh, when you make videos for Facebook is different than from you, for YouTube because as consumers, I'm sure you're aware that on YouTube, typically you, you want something, you seek it out, you know, how to screw in a light bulb and you know, then you'll get a video that you're looking for. Whereas uh, Facebook is more like the tide. You just scroll through your feed and whatever it just comes right. in and it starts playing and then they try to hook you. So Facebook, for Facebook video, you have to try to grab people's attention and you know hold on to their attention whereas with YouTube if they're coming to you they probably already subscribed to your channel or they already you know wanted to see something that you do mm. because they sought it out. It's not universal, but you know, because sometimes people send links and all that sort of thing. So is it but like clickbait, or how do you? Because I, I actually don't use Facebook, so I don't know. How, it, it, like you said, you scroll by, and then uh, I don't. I don't mean to sound like a pretentious asshole, but I really don't. That, use, that's like I, the, I don't have a TV from well, the nineties. You know what I mean? But <laughs> I really. Oh, I don't have a cell phone. Facebook scares the <laughs> shit out of me. But the, is it that you yeah. scroll up and that you see a still image of the video, or is it the title? Like, what would grab people to stop? The video starts playing. Okay. And yeah, they started the autoplay within yeah. the last couple years. Yeah, right? it just starts playing and yeah. then you get sucked in right. and uh, and so they, the videos, instead of doing, uh, you know, the, um, uh, what you, the uh, <laughs> instead of grabbing with the headline or the title to, you know, entice you, right, you right. know, the, the um, 15 ways that, you know, to make your lover scream, number right. seven will blow you away. Uh, they just try to grab you with the visual, with right. the, you know the moving image, and right. then hold on to you. And you're not really allowed to use like bouncing breasts and stuff on Facebook. Um, 
that doesn't uh, we don't have a whole lot of uh, uh, call for that being a news show like doesn't you know matter. we're talking about doesn't a matter. Syrian civil war Do, what, what do they have to do with selling trucks and beer <laughs> nothing um, yeah it's a good point no I don't I think there's probably some you know line that's drawn and the Facebook people just like the YouTube people decide where that line is yeah and it's somewhat arbitrary and you yeah. don't find out until afterwards that's not one line that we push typically yeah we have other lines that we uh, or boundaries that we push that we get in trouble for. What do you push? Well, specifically with YouTube, um, of late, YouTube has started demonetizing videos that are controversial in any way. So if you talk about terrorism, you talk about pedophilia, you talk about, you know, whatever, then they're not advertiser friendly. So YouTube's advertisers say, listen, I don't want my ad for mm. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper, right. being before you do a video about how Roy Moore was the quicker picker-upper, <laughs> you know, when he was, you know, uh, back in at the, <laughs> the Gadsden Mall. Yeah, that was good. Good. Oh, yeah, there you good. go. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, <laughs> so, so that's and and so YouTube, mm. they have to, but they can't watch all the videos that are posted to YouTube. So they have some algorithm that they have created based on keywords and so on. So if, if it says Syria, mm. it says terrorism, then, but this is. How having a chilling effect because you, if you make money from advertising on YouTube, as we do and all the big uh, producers on YouTube do, then your, you, any videos you make that are about the Syrian civil war, for example, or the crisis in Yemen, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. you're not going to make any money off right. of, which means that the YouTube model is moving closer to the traditional TV model where right. mainstream media doesn't want to cover stories. Advertiser control. That are, so yeah. So that's. be kitty cats and happiness. And, and so. As a company at the Young Turks, one of our challenges is to, because we have, you know, if we're depending on YouTube and they're going to demonetize controversial content, that's like almost all we do. Like not not exclusively the Syrian civil war, but we do a lot of that, and we, you know, uh, that's going to be a problem for us. And so we also depend on, like you do, Patreon. We have members oh. who pay ten dollars a month or more if they want to, and they get additional content and extra stuff and uh, things like that. So still through YouTube, or are you said no, up that's a separate. separate that's separate for us entirely. And oh. there, so those are our, our major fans. But and we, our fans are very dedicated. They they believe like it's not just that they're fans and they like our content. They believe in what we're doing and right. trying to achieve social change and you know supporting a, a political revolution in this country and uh, so they're very dedicated we this this whole building that you're sitting in was funded we did a GoFundMe campaign when we used to be on current TV current Al Gore you know tricked the uh, uh, Al the, <laughs> the people who owned Al Jazeera and Qatar into buying Al Jazeera America for 500 million dollars and when it wasn't worth a tenth of that and we were on current so we lost our studio you remember the old yeah, studio over the, yeah. the tennis channel and so we were out of out of luck, and we had this GoFundMe campaign, and we our were fans just came up with. from uh, Tosh. Yeah, yes, that's right, Daniel <laughs> Tosh. <laughs> Occasionally, you'd come to work, and there'd be they'd be shooting some bizarre thing. You know, yeah. they, they were still low-budget sort of enterprise, so you would see them using I ran the, into the building security guard. Yeah, after doing a show <laughs> with his little dogs. Yeah, yeah. So we anyway. got our fans gave us four hundred twenty thousand dollars. No shit. Of a GoFundMe campaign just for wow. to, to build the studio. And that's what funded all this. That's what funded wow, all this. That's amazing. That was like three years ago, um, and then just this past year, we did another campaign to hire a bunch of uh, investigative journalists because the newspaper model, all these sorts of the, for investigative journalism, even TV, you know, 60 Minutes and the like, is uh, is collapsing and they can't right. make money. So we wanted to do more investigative journalism, and we did another 
GoFundMe like campaign, and we got two million dollars from our fans. Wow. And, and you got iguana money. And then iguana, 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 money. <laughs> iguana money. There's walking around money. There's pocket money. And there's iguana money. money. <laughs> our we have, uh, as I was uh, showing Simon, we have an iguana in the studio whose name is Mariguana, who was left as a <laughs> small iguana uh, did, on did our who, doorstep. Who came up with the name? Did your fans there, participate? I, th in I think that? there was a poll. We had a number of ideas yeah. in the poll. Mariguana was the winner. Yeah. But the, yeah, so the TYT lizard has uh, has his own. Twitter account and everything, but yeah, our fans. We he only had a little terrarium. We needed to, he was growing, so we we looked to our fans again, and they came up with five uh, five five thousand dollars to build him this new enclosure and uh, and feed him because when the the chief business well the chief financial officer of the company when the iguana was brought in said, uh, okay, you can keep, it, but I'm not we're not paying a nickel for his upkeep right. or anything. And so. you told me earlier that the iguana eats kittens. Where, where do you get the kittens? <laughs> that's actually but only live. It something that surprised me. Yeah, we get them from you the Infowars info guys. We first, but he wouldn't eat them. They have the extras that they don't kill over at Infowars. They give to us. Oh, that's um, great. No, um, it's actually it's a vegetarian. I thought it would eat bugs or something, but no, it's all fruit, and it's fascinating to watch it eat. I, very I recommend LA, it. Very LA. Very. Yeah. It's vegan. It's macrobiotic. Smoothies. No gluten. It's gluten-free iguana. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, but yeah. your question was what I do. So, I, th at the Young Turks, we started with nothing and just this guy's living room. And as we've grown, it's been our fans who've sustained us, but we've done everything on a shoestring. So, when you work here, or at least traditionally when you've worked here, it's like the, the, the Young Turks treats its employees like, like the, the, I guess, the Sioux with the buffalo, you know. Use every they part. Use every part. So, mm. I've done audience warm up, I host a show, I sit in, you know, I do, I mean, I can't, I don't do the editing because I'm not, but I'll, you know, I book shows, I prep the hosts, I prep the guests, I, I used to produce a when you started, with the first time, Chris, you came in with us, you were on a show called The Point, right. which was a, a, that was how I got hired, was pr uh, producing The Point, which is a weekly talk show, a uh, panel show. And, uh, and so I would book the guests, and you know, and so we don't do that show anymore, but that's, so I do all these different things. I, we, the Facebook videos we do, that's our only scripted material we do, everything else is off the cuff. Mm. Our, so we have a two hour news show where our hosts, we have no teleprompters, they just talk about the news. And when people from traditional news come and see us, they're like, where's the teleprompter? You know, and we say, no, we just talk. And right. they, and a lot of them are just, you know, news readers really more than yeah. they are journalists. Or, and they're like, when, and you can tell when their teleprompter goes off because they freak out. I could tell too as I watch, just as a fan, that's what I like about what you guys are doing is it seems just so raw and real. And yeah, it, it's, it, that's, and that's what our fans, it's authentic. That's our fans. It's kind uh, of like the podcasting of, yeah. of video in a right. way. But it's also, I mean, we do, we, we, um, we give, it's not like we don't tell you the, bare bones of a story or whatever the news story is. We'll tell you what's in the tax bill and for example, we're recording this as the Republicans are wrapping up their, their tax bill. Uh, so for, as a, for example with that story, we'll talk about the tax bill and what's in it, what's not in it, what, you know, what the negotiations are and then we go to the commentary where we s explain why it's so terrible. Uh, and so that's, that's what, uh, what we give you that a traditional news show doesn't. They just give you the bare bones of the story. They don't give you any opinion about it because they're neutral. But right. there's no such thing really as neutrality. What you cover and why you cover it and when you cover it and how you cover it. Yeah. That's all. There's no such thing as being neutral. Right. Um, yeah. Are they even pretending to be neutral anymore though? I mean, Fox certainly isn't and MSNBC No, I'm talking isn't. about more uh, traditional, but like a Shep, Shep Smith, you're talking about opinion shows like Fox and Friends and uh, uh, Sean Hannity and like, but Shep Smith, for example, would consider himself more of a straight news guy. What do you think about him? Uh, I think he's very odd looking. 
<laughs> Which, you know, it, it just surprises me when I see somebody on TV. You know we're talking Ooh. about? Shepard Smith, he's on Fox. Uh, he's yeah. openly gay as of a year Is or two he? ago. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and he's, I, I think he's actually really smart and kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, but he's still on Fox. Yeah, I'm, I'm just <laughs> waiting for him to get fired and move over to MSNBC. But he gives them some credibility that they can point to and say, no, we do do straight news, yeah. so it's good to keep him around, even though compared to like Hannity and nobody watches him compared to what you know the what else lunatics. gets watched yeah, yeah. so um, Shepard who was it Shep Smith Shep Smith Shepard Smith yeah uh, but it, it surprised me when I see somebody on TV who doesn't who looks as an anchor who doesn't look like an anchor he looks like an odd looking guy he looks like yeah like an alien or something yeah his eyes are a little oh, too yeah, wide oh yeah here set. he is I'm looking at yeah. him nothing yeah, yeah. personal he seems I'm sure he's a lovely person even though he works at Fox I, there's some, <laughs> I find something very comforting about the way he looks I, I don't know if he looks like an old uh, friend I've forgotten about or if maybe I was an alien in a f previous life but I like I like looking at Shep Smith I don't want to be mean, I like his I like his accent too he's got he's a really southern, comforting yeah, southern, southern accent, accent. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be mean I don't like mean comedy but my first thing I, I thought when I looked at him is he kind of looks like the plastic surgery that every woman in Beverly Hills gets that all look the same Catwoman face that ever <laughs> when they drive by and you just see these plastic faces and barely and they all look like the same I think they all say make me look like Angelina Jolie and there's yeah. a certain uh, cat face yeah. and, and they, he they has come a out. little of the cat face it looks like a little tucking yeah. So you think they come out of the surgery and the and the you know they show them the mirror and like you asked for the Shep Smith right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no, I said Angelina Jolie, yeah. son of a oh, bitch. Yeah. I did it again. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, but I don't watch Fox. I don't. So I don't. Yeah. I, my knowledge of Shep Smith and what he does and how he does it is, is yeah. very minimal. No, I don't watch him much uh, either. And uh, so so yeah. So what I do is all sorts of things. I even uh, we have a relatively new show where it's a weekly half hour show where we interview some of the investigative journalists that we hired with two million dollars yeah. about what they're what they're working on and so on and so forth and find out what they're up to. And nobody else would do it, so they asked me to do it. And so now I'm a host. You're but a host. I, yeah, uh, but oh, cool. I'm not. I mean, the, nobody watches it, so it's it's okay. It's only for members. <laughs> nobody watches it, so they're they're risking the risk is minimal yeah. in putting me on camera. You ever read from a teleprompter? Yes, it's a it's a real it is a skill. I I've done it once, and I found it so easy that I feel like I missed my true calling. Really? I should be Brian fucking Williams. So did you find it easy like it was easy to read or did you find it easy like you actually did a good job? I, according to, to everybody there, I did a great job and they were amazed because they thought it would be really awkward because I'd never done it before. But it was like, I, I was like, can I just have this can I just have this roll around in front of me for the rest of my life? Yeah. Because this is great. Well, Matt Lauer, they're, they're looking for somebody at Today Show. Maybe, uh... Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's nothing in your past, <laughs> is there? <laughs> and future. <laughs> I've got skeletons. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, all right. So, so uh, current events. So, you're up on current events being, you know, Mr. News Anchor and all that. I was... Did you guys hear this shit about Matt Damon today? No. The drop today? What? You didn't uh -oh. hear about this? No. I saw he was trending, I, and I was like, you know, unless he's dead, it's probably not good news <laughs> for him. <laughs> unless he's dead, it's not good news. Like, that would be good news? Well, that's not, I mean, if you're, he's dead. It's not, it doesn't matter to him anymore, that's you right. know, if you're, once you're dead. Like Woody Allen said, I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, no, what happened was he said um, he, he was being interviewed about this, the sexual, the Me Too movement and all that. And he said, what well, he said, you know, all these things that, that men are being accused of are, are reprehensible and need to be 
um, you know, confronted and dealt with and so on. But, you know, there is a difference between, you know, putting your hand on someone's butt when you're getting a photo taken and raping a child, right? So, I mean, we need, we need to make distinctions mm -hmm. about these things. And he is getting totally hosed for saying that. For saying that. That there's a spectrum. and That, that there's a spectrum. How dare he say that there's, I'm reaching into my bag to pull out my phone. Because I don't want to just, like, I don't want people to think I'm just pulling this shit out of my ass here. Um, You're almost better off just not, you can't say anything. You yeah, I think it's the, so check um, it out here. Uh, this is on HuffPost. Alyssa Milano educates oh yeah. Matt Damon after his horrid response on sexual misconduct. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and, then, and just check out the tone of the way this is written by Carla Her Herrera. Actress Alyssa Milano taught a master class on the problems of sexual mis misconduct Friday night. Her student, Matt Damon. <laughs> Damon raised more than a few eyebrows this week when he suggested that sexual harassment and sexual assault, quote, shouldn't be conflated, unquote, then gave examples of how he and others should handle different levels of sexual behavior in an ABC interview. Here's Damon. I do believe there's a spectrum of behavior and we're going to have to figure out, you know, there's a difference between, you know, patting someone on the butt and rape or child molestation, right? Both of those behaviors need to be confronted and eradicated without question, but they shouldn't be conflated, right? Uh, are, you, are you done or do you have more? You want to read more? No, no, that's it. But well, that's what he said that has gotten him like he is okay, a fucking idiot. First thing on this, you're absolutely right. You should be reading prompter professionally. That was terrific. Well, didn't I do a great <laughs> and it, job? It wasn't scrolling at the right speed. But and you were you scrolling know. at yourself as yeah, well. So, yeah, I mean, so it's I even was, better. It's very distracting. Uh, yeah. I mean, that was a good read. That was a solid Thank read. Thank you. And uh, Thank you. so uh, I think I Simon is right that, that, that we are. Yeah, I, I'm not that good at prompter reading either. But uh, Simon is right that uh, saying uh, I'm all for this new. Uh, cultural shift and supporting the Me Too movement, but is like saying, I'm not a racist, but like nothing you say after right, that is going right. to do you any good. Right. You know, you're potentially, you're, I'm not saying that right. it's right or wrong, right. I'm just saying you're potentially wading into a minefield. It seems like what Matt Damon said there should be uh, uncontroversial. And because this is what we're talking about right now, as a culture, we're trying to figure this out. We are going to start punishing and or holding people accountable for their behavior, but everyone doesn't get the death penalty for everything, you know, just like in right. you know, criminal procedures. Right. And it seems like that's what he's saying, but it's uh, the way you couch it is extraordinarily difficult because it's going, if it, there, the fear is that it's going to come across as you're justifying because when you say, "Listen, I'm also I also I support this the Me Too movement and I'm with her and all that and everything," well, that's Hillary. I don't know why that brought that in, but <laughs> <laughs> any hashtag, whatever that involves yeah. a woman, yeah. um, I'm supportive. But and then the the hairs on the back of the neck go up uh -huh. on that butt. But those like, are the same the same people who will attack you for and and you know sort of willfully misinterpret what you're saying are the people who are saying we need to have a conversation. This needs to be talked about in our society. We need to deal with this. We need to have an open conversation about racism but you can't say right, I'm right. not a racist but you, you, then what kind of fucking conversation are we going to have? It may be that 
Matt Damon, the, the, the message is yes, we need to have this conversation, but Matt Damon based on his, I don't know about complicity, but looking beyond and not speaking up about Harvey Weinstein, doesn't get to participate. Is like, as a, as a culture, we say, yeah. look, you, you know, you, we're not, it's not our, we're not listening to you now because you have been proven to be, uh, or demonstrated that you are not an, a, you know, an honest actor in this. Well, that's, <laughs> he is an actor. <laughs> I always love when they talk about like the Middle East, like, oh, well, Saddam Hussein, he was not, he was a bad actor. And I'm like, I mean, he wasn't Ben Affleck. I mean, he was not great, but um, <laughs> he wasn't that bad. But they, they use this, this term actor, you have Kim Jong-un, he's a bad actor. It's like, you don't even know, you haven't seen him. Yeah. His earlier work is pretty good. Yeah. Um, so uh, so, so that, that might be playing into it, like, hey, Matt, you don't get to talk about this anymore. Well, that that wasn't the angle that was in. In I read two responses to it, and both of them, neither one of them, were like he should have come out about Harvey Weinstein. Therefore, this is invalid. It was more like, you know, you don't get to distinguish between different levels. It's all bad. It's all terrible, and it all has to be ripped out by the roots. Yeah. It's also the time he said it, and in a weird way, like my brain associates Ben Affleck with them. I still see them as one tandem kind of person, just because of the, mm. their life and their movie. And that right. he's like he's been in such hot water, Ben Affleck, that immediately you hear Matt Damon's like, oh, is he also going? Well, like Casey, I don't know why. Like Casey's my, the one who got in really. Oh, was, I thought it was Ben too. That he that he, he downplayed it a little well, bit. I think too, I think yeah, no. Casey's ben, accused Casey of was oh, actual doing misdeeds ben, himself, yeah, you know, like rape, like rape, bad. Yeah, right. Yeah. Ben and Matt are both accused. I think Matt, Ben more seriously, I, you know, I don't remember, yeah. of just like ignoring, looking beyond, look, yeah. yeah. No, I don't, it may be a little of that with Ben, I don't remember, but both of them uh, were, you know, worked with Harvey Weinstein, and they must have known, you know, that sort of thing. They, you know, they had to know. It didn't, one of them, wasn't one of them dating somebody? One of the women uh, was, no, who was dating, uh, I'm getting all confused. Gwyneth Paltrow. One of them, somebody, one of them wasn't dating, I don't keep up on my Us yeah, Weekly yeah, <laughs> sort no, of stuff. Know. I didn't know there'd be a test later. <laughs> who dated whom? Right. Uh, but yeah, so I think they. But uh, obviously, this is a conversation that has to happen, and what the message seems to be is like, uh, women are going to have this conversation. We get to decide, and men maybe are just not allowed to participate in that conversation because you've been collectively looking past this and ignoring this and engaging in this behavior yourselves, or at least uh, condoning it. So. It's time for women to to seize the reins, and you know, enough men men have had control long enough, and we're going to seize control of this conversation. I don't know. I didn't read the article. I only listened to your mellifluous voice and your <laughs> beautiful delivery, and I was so captivated. I don't even know what you were talking oh, about. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> the water is boiling right now, though. It's like such yeah. a hot. Like maybe just if I was. Uh, Maybe in his position, I might just opt to keep my mouth shut because I don't think see how you're going to win that one. It's just, it's tough. It's a, it's so, uh, it's, it's in the air right now. I don't know. If you, I remember when the riots happened. Not to compare this to the riots, but you could feel in the air mm. that there was something palpable in the air that you could cut with a knife. And I was a teenager when the '92 or three riots happened in in LA, and it was just a, you could feel the tension in there, and that's how it feels here in LA. You just feel it in the air. Mm. It's just. Uh, it's alive. You know, you you're right. Ninety-two. Was it ninety-two? Ninety-one or ninety-two, 92 or something like Rodney King. Yeah. 
That was and which was sort of sparked the, you know, well, not it was a year later after the trial, right? So it was around then. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, the incident and the trial, and uh, and also Anita Hill was that same right. year. And now these are two issues that are coming to the head again with you know, Black Lives Matter and all that sort of thing. Twenty-five years now later. With the, I mean, Anita Hill, like, <laughs> she's get, you know being trotted out again. And it's like, well, we took twenty-five years. We believe you now. <laughs> You know, right. we all, yeah. we're, you know, now we're going to give you some props, despite what we all said about you before. Hey, could, could Monica Lewinsky please get rehabilitated, too, while we're doing this? Like, she, she, her entire life was derailed by this bullshit. And what did she do? Nothing. She didn't do anything. She didn't hurt anybody. No, she, she helped. She was, I mean, if we're demonizing what Monica Lewinsky did, that's bad for everybody. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Uh, but I, I mean, <laughs> I think she is rehabilitated. She works, she does like online bullying and that she's, she's mm. channeled it into a uh, profession. She still leads a very private life, I think, because I've actually tried to get her on, you know, she was on in the cover of Vanity Fair recently. Yeah, there was And a, so a, she was a doing blip. a push. Uh, but it, didn't she talk in that article in Vanity Fair about how fucked up her life was? Oh, of course her life is. Are you kidding? Yeah. That, I met a, or no, I, I read an article at the time uh, in the Washington Post about this woman like in Nebraska, somebody who worked in marketing, whose name was also Monica Lewinsky. Uh, and her life was ruined. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so, oh yeah, Monica Lewinsky, that was, that was devastating. That was it. Unbelievable. Uh, for her, she, I mean, the, in terms of the, the punishment not fitting the crime, there was no crime. Well, there, she committed no crime. And, uh, and yeah, but now she's sort of, she's definitely empowered and, you know, sort of funneled her life in a direction that is, uh, is taking her experience and uh, learning from it and trying to teach other people that. And you know what she has? Credibility. <laughs> she has credibility when she talks about people's lives being destroyed like online right, and right. ruined by you know uh, uh, the media and the way just how horrible people are isn't it funny though I mean online it's, I'm not equating Monica Lewinsky with this but you know I, I, I don't remember sort of early on when I sort of had a Twitter thing and you know entered that world I don't remember what I said but I got a bunch of shit from some people and it was really like scary to have like 20 people like I can't believe it. I'm so disappointed in you and I thought whatever it was and it like really like oh fuck and you know I had that sort of instinctive mm -hmm. reaction to it mm -hmm. as the same way as if you're in a party and suddenly 20 people are looking at you and saying what the fuck are you doing here I you know who invited you? is that yeah. kind of feeling and then I realized I could just like tune out and it all went away and then a week later it was all over you know, and it's like it never happened at all. It's 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 a weird thing where it's kind of real and unreal at the same time. It burns very hot and then burns out. Well, and it and it also takes place in a world that is that isn't three dimensional. It's not here. It takes place in this other dimension. That's like who gives a shit? And well, you can also yeah. mute it and never have to see it. That's what I'm they saying. Have no yeah. idea it's even going or just on. Turn off your fucking phone yeah. and go camping for a week. It's over. It, it's it doesn't have any impact on your life. It's like voodoo. If you don't believe in right, it, it's not it true. It can't hurt you. Right. And I had an ex-girlfriend say she was going to put a hex on me, and she's like, "I got a witch. My friend's a witch, and you're done." And and I go, "Your powers are useless against me because I don't believe in that shit." <laughs> and I just laughed. And they tried to put some hex on. <laughs> <laughs> and they tried to put some hex on me, 
And I didn't believe it. It's not true. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Can I live yeah. your life for just like a week? Yeah, you could. Oh, you want? You access? probably wanted to. You, want you probably want to have such authentic experiences that women are so angry with me they want to put a no, hex on me. No, I was about to say you probably Most wanted. Most of what I get is just like you were supposed to take out the bins. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, the garbage came and I had to get up early and do you it. You wanted my life in my twenties. <laughs> yeah. Not as exciting nowadays. <laughs> yeah, you're here with me. Yeah. <laughs> that was the <laughs> highlight of my week. <laughs> but just like you know to look back and be like, oh yeah, that uh, yeah, the one who put the hex on me. Yeah. Maybe, maybe her hex was to, for your life to get boring and have to do maybe podcasts with people who aren't interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> true. but going back to what you were saying, though, about the comment, like half the time, too, I don't know if I've had this experience, half the time you get a negative comment, if you do explore it, they go, oh, I'm just fucking with you, man. Mm. And they, you don't hear the tone of voice. It's just yeah, like any text message hard. you get. It's what you. It's not what you say. It's how you say it. And a lot of the times, it might not be that serious, but you just can't tell, and you just immediately. Uh, it's a weird human instinct to react to the negative. Like if I, on my social media, I could have a hundred good comments, but that one negative one, that's the one I'm looking at, and that's right. the one that makes me feel something. Yeah. It's a weird human it's reaction. A strange thing, isn't it? You, you, it's like a self-defense mechanism, yeah, a survival it's mechanism. Tuning into some primitive thing yeah. that we yeah. have. Even though it, it, it has absolutely no impact on our lives right. other than what we invest right. in it. Right. You know? Well, we don't have any experience with this because the things that people will say to you anonymously online are so much more horrible than anything anybody would ever say to you in person. Right. And so you never had, I mean, like, <laughs> I tell my kids, you know, like, you know, when I was your age, I couldn't, I, even if I wanted to, I couldn't get into a huge argument uh, with somebody I've never met who lives in right, <laughs> right, Kentucky, right. you know. Right. I, just, I don't know how I would do it. I'd have to call, like, random numbers, you know I mean? Like, it just couldn't happen. And, uh, but now it's, it's possible. Uh, what, uh, one thing that reminded me of that I think I, I was inured to it a little bit was because I used to inured. be... Inured. Um, Good word. Good word. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Well, uh, can you be, I want to learn some of these words as we go along. I'm not going <laughs> to pretend to know. What does that mean? Uh, inured means like you, you build up a, a defense against it. You, you, know, you, you become used to it, and so it doesn't bother you anymore. How do you spell that? I'm sorry. I-N-U-R-E-D. Okay. Oh, it's one word. Yeah, okay. inured. It's always you become inured to, to something. something. Okay. Um, yeah. Because I, when I was in my 20s, you were you know, having hexes put on you by the women you had <laughs> cheated on or whatever. I was a, an escort in a, a, a women's clinic. Uh, you know, oh, abortion clinic. Yeah, God, it's, it's, I thought this was going. Yeah, somewhere I know. Different. When you say yeah, escort, escort, when you start with yeah, escort, yeah, and a woman sounds great, and then it goes. Although, yeah. I mean, and you know, uh, I'm, I'm not. I don't want to. Don't draw any conclusions. I did meet a lot of women. This was in an abortion clinic. Yeah, abortion clinic. I met right. a lot of women. So you were escorting them like through the, the lanes of anger? Right, for, away from the protesters and the, the people the, the people yelling, the, the you know. The fetus photos yeah. and all that? Um, yeah, the fetus photos and the you know, people, they, the clinic I was on, uh, we didn't have to really escort them through the throngs of protesters because it was, we had a, a private uh, dri or driveway and a parking lot. So they would just sort of line the property and they would get a microphone and a, a, an amplifier and as people, as the, the patients would park and get out of the car as soon as they get out of the car they would start saying don't kill your baby god has a plan for your baby god loves your baby don't and you know these you know whatever you know it, it was always on saturday mornings and any day you get up early on a saturday is a bad day anyway but are you also going to get an abortion you, you know a lot of these people were just not in a good mood and not ready to hear this and not looking for so i would just try to talk over it and get them in so they wouldn't be bothered by it but most of the time was just downtime where you're standing there like 15 feet away from these people who hate you and think you're evil and you're the, doing the devil's work and, you know, and there was this one time when i was it was over for the day and i was driving out and i was trying to out of the, the driving lot driving 
the driveway, to making a left on a very busy street. And so I was taking, you know, going, looking back and forth and waiting. And one of the protesters comes up. It was a hot day, so I had my window down. And she just starts, leans in and starts giving me the business about how terrible I you know, what the, all these horrible things I'm doing. And I'm just trying to ignore her and looking for her. Like, come on, you know, I gotta, I gotta get out of here. I don't need to deal with you. Because they're crazy. I mean, these people are nuts. And, uh, and then she, she says, uh, <laughs> you know, you're worse than Hitler. <laughs> and uh, and I'm, so I'm, I'm in the middle of looking back and forth. And I hear this. And then I stop. There was no car behind me. So I wasn't in a rut. Uh -huh. I stop and I like lean back and I'm like, wait, worse than Hitler? <laughs> <laughs> worse than the, the, the worst mass murder of the 20th century. I'm not like as bad as Hitler or Hitler-esque. Right. I'm worse than Hitler. Yeah. So like, there's, you only have one jail cell and two people and you can only put one of them in jail. Yeah. Hitler or me and you're like, sorry, I got sorry, Hitler, Hitler, you gotta go you because gotta go you are worse than Hitler. So I had, so I have these experiences, these people just saying horrible, terrible things to you and about you and that you would just have to, you'd be confronted by and have to deal with it yeah. and ignore it. And it actually, it became sort of comical because they're these yeah. crazy religious types. And, uh, you know, we would just sort of make fun of them. And it's, it's a, little, a lot of dark humor uh, among the escorts at the abortion clinic. Wow. Um, a lot of dark humor in with firemen, with cops, with doctors. Yeah, this was living in D.C. I knew, I, I lived with, uh, dealing with um, some people who worked at the Holocaust Museum. Them you did not. They, they, they. You, the visitors to the Holocaust Museum would not have been elated to be hearing some of the jokes that they were making. Really? Because I mean, they have to. You know, how, how do you deal with that? I mean, the <laughs> yeah. Holocaust Museum is a humor is all we have. Yeah. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So making fun of the uh, the protesters. Were Jews funny before the Holocaust? <laughs> I think so. Uh, you know, I mean, you have when you have this kind of backstory. It's not, you know, it's yeah, not like the Holocaust. They, they were was certainly getting harassed. It wasn't the first yeah, bad, you know, yeah, everything was smooth right. sailing until the Holocaust <laughs> right. for the Jews. All right. <laughs> oh, those pogroms were nothing. Are you kidding me? The Cossacks yeah, were, yeah, you know, they yeah. were easy on us compared to what the, Jew, yeah, the Germans did. Uh, so, yeah, so I think fatalistic humor among Jews was, uh, uh, was well established before the Holocaust. Yeah. Uh, and Irish are, you know, are another long suppressed yeah. group. Not, you know, they're not, they don't have the pedigree of the Jews, but... They're also very funny. Well, they, they, in the movie uh, The Commandments, I don't know if you saw The Commandments mm -hmm. about these, uh, uh, the, the commitments on the commitments about this Irish oh, band. Oh, the, the band. Yeah, 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 I'm sorry, Commandments. That. That's a very different, <laughs> different, different band. Different movie. <laughs> different group. <laughs> commitments, yeah, where they describe themselves as the Irish or the, the blacks of Europe. Yeah. And yeah, uh, and yeah so they got, they got and, and yeah, there's a lot of dark humor involved. The niggers of the North is the phrase. Yeah. Right. But, uh, yeah but <laughs> I was not going to say that. Yeah, you wouldn't say that, right. <laughs> I'm not one. I can't, I, you know, I don't have the uh, immunity on that like you do you can say whatever you want about I don't know can you say that if you're if you're Irish does that give you immunity to say I, that I don't know I on this podcast I I have a long-standing tradition of saying I, I don't surrender words you know like you know I'm totally down with civil rights and you know I'm not a racist but <laughs> <laughs> and it's also like I said before it's not it's it's how you say it and that yeah. was not there was nothing yeah, mean no, about what no, you just said not. at all I felt no venom behind that you yeah know, it's no um, how people say things that's why text messages and messages on a board or online you can't really get the emotion you know yeah, yeah. I See, get I misunderstandings all the time, mis like a constant miscommunications with my friends about a text because you just don't hear the tone. So you have to almost use like a little emoji after to like show that you're joking. It, it's better to just pick up the phone and Isn't talk. Isn't it funny that texting is like the latest, the most recent 
most modern communication yeah. system and it's probably the worst. Yeah, and it's going backwards to like writing a note to somebody, you know? And, and not even handing it to yeah. them with any facial right, expression. Right. It's, yeah, I, I think about this, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm anti-progress, but I mean, I don't know if either of you guys, did you guys grow up with phones on cables? How, how old <laughs> yeah. are you guys? Yeah, yeah, what do you mean? Yeah, you mean yeah. A, the, yeah of course. Yeah, yeah. I'm like push the button. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> push the button, rotary, rotary phones. Oh, you remember rotary? Yeah, I remember rotary. Yeah, Louis C.K. had a good bit on that. actual sparks going on in your oh, phone. wait, we're not allowed to talk about Louis C.K. anymore. He doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> He's being whitewashed from history. But um, yeah, the, uh, those phones worked. You could hear the person yeah. on the other side. It was oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they came through loud and clear all the time until you hung it up. I got this fucking thing. I can't hear a word anybody says. You know, it's it's like what, what kind of progress is? I this? feel guilty when I don't understand someone. With that. I try to pretend like I understood. What they oh, did, but, me too. But there's no. There's like, no it's not my uh, fault. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you're right. It's, but it's like um, you know, companies when you call and they you know they, you have uh, 18 menu choices and they say it's for your convenience. It's not for your convenience. This is not. <laughs> it's this is not for easy. your convenience. No, no, this is to save you money. This is because you, it's it's easier for you yeah. and you can make more money off of us this way. Although uh, it is. <laughs> the kind of thing you just forget about now is that you, you couldn't used to just call somebody on the other side of the country yeah. or even other part That's of the true. state That's very true. inexpensively. It wasn't free. It was you know, like uh, right. the idea of telling, you know, would say, well, hurry up because it's long distance. Like my kids, right. I don't know what that is. Well, and also, right. if your car breaks down in the middle of nowhere. Look, here's know. a couple of things because I recently tried to go back to a flip phone just said to be in the moment and not be a slave <laughs> to these smartphones. And I realized really quickly there was a few things that we really do quote unquote need mm. while driving. One of them is your navigation. Yeah. It's a big one if you don't have it in your car. But another one well, you, I used oh, yeah, to do we it used to do it just fine. No, you're right. You're we right. Were going. You used to do it just fine. Uh, I'm gotten used to it. Yeah. Another one is my music. And the other one is a camera. You have your music in on my your phone. phone. Yeah, I got all my music in my yeah. phone. I'm not going to bring an iPod as well and the camera. Huh. Those are three things that now yeah. I'm pretty dependent on that Throughout well, the day, I will use several times. living with that camera, Yeah, that's too. true. That's I mean, true. That's your it's become an actual job for me. Going backwards a little bit, I remember, I just had a memory when you were talking about it a minute ago. I remember when the touch-tone phone, home phone, first came out. This must have been the late 70s, because early memory. I was born in 74. And I remember, like, my family going, oh, look, you just... And it was a big deal. This is like must have been mid to late seventies. Yeah. And it was a big deal to have a home phone with a light up button that you could quickly. And I remember my family gawking over it. And I remember yeah. the first VCR was whoa, you could watch a movie at home yeah. and record off of HBO. You could hit record and record, you know, Eddie Murphy raw and watch it again later. Yeah. It's crazy. I remember those. When, I remember when caller ID first came out and it was an external box you put next to your phone line that plugged in that yeah. would show who was calling. You go, oh my God, I can see who's calling me. That was a big it was deal. A real, it was a revolution. It was really good for you because all the voodoo. Right, right. all right. the voodoo. You had a lot of ex-girlfriends you needed yes. to meet out. Yes, um, But yeah, you would, you, it was uh, the experience of n picking up the phone and not knowing who was calling was standard. That was every call. You right. never knew who was calling. Hello? Now, well, now it's like... You answer hello and you know who's calling. You could see the name. You're like, hello, I know it's you. Like, but now <laughs> if you don't know who it is, often you won't answer. Like, I don't know that number. Oh my God, never answer a random <laughs> number. Are you kidding so me? That was How often is that going to be a good call? It's always sales. <laughs> Nine out of ten, it's right. not going to be no. a good call. If it's someone who you actually want to hear from, they'll leave a message. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I actually get like sometimes I'll be you know watching a video on YouTube and someone will call I'm like and then I'm actually mad at them I'm like what are you doing calling me it's 2017 I'm watching something like like it's yeah. their fault yeah yeah 
Well, How you, dare they call me? You're one of the only people who calls me. Actually. Yeah, and yeah. I, it's kind of old school. I like it. Maybe because we're both old school dudes. Maybe you establish. You know, it's funny you said that too. Is I often will if you meet somebody new in your life, especially a girl, you have to train almost them to not expect a quick response. So like, I get my phone right away. Like, let's say I meet a new girl, and she texts me, pretty. You'll look at it within a minute, and if you reply, then they kind of know the, the, the leash they got on you. So what I often do is I'll purposely say, okay, wait 15 minutes so you establish a time frame with that person. Uh, is there you an know, app for that? I, there should be. I can see how this winds up with a, with a hex. In the other, yeah, right. This is exactly. the beginning, and I can exactly. see this this how this plays out and winding up with a hex. Well, it's like the old thing, like, don't answer on the first ring. It seems desperate. I remember I was dating this girl, and she'd answer the phone on the first ring, and after a while, I joked around with her, like, make it sexy. Wait two or three. Like, don't don't yeah. let me know you're sitting there by the phone like a psychopath. You only want to date a rules girl. Right, right? exactly. You know, yeah. the rules. Remember that? Yeah. Wait, what's the rules? Oh, there was this yeah, book that came out, The Rules dude. for, it was like, like in the, in the, uh, this is probably what, 15, 20 years ago. With a, uh, like, don't don't like go out with a guy if he asks you out on after oh, your first Saturday. Oh no way! I don't after, know about this. I'm yeah, have to if he asks you uh, for a date after Wednesday on for that weekend, you always say no, so you can right. see, don't uh, don't ever call him back. Make him call you know all this stuff. Uh, but uh, or uh, Iceberg Slim, he wrote uh, you know never spend more than 20 bucks on the first date. I think he had a book. Is uh, it Iceberg Slim? Is that his name? The famous pimp or no, Pittsburgh know. Slim, Fillmore mm. Slim, something like that. Fillmore Slim was a pimp. Okay, he, he had yeah. a. Book and it, one of the things I remember reading was never spend more, probably written in the 70s or something, so maybe you could say $60 now? I don't know. But so the dating time. tips from a Yeah, he said never on a first date spend more than 20 bucks because then they'll assume they got you. Hmm. Probably a little bit different. It's ironic that. considering he's a pimp and right. the first right. dates that you think guys were going well, women would pay well right. no the guys who were using his services were all going to be paying more than 20 bucks right. for that date probably. Right. Yeah, but uh, he's a pimp. I mean, pimps don't pay for that shit. No, but he's the one who's getting the money. Like, I'm saying they're his customers. Oh, yeah. If, if he's telling men, don't pay more than $20 for the first date, and then they, they read his book oh. and they're like, oh, well, then they call him for a date, you know, set him up with a date. Well, and he, and that's he, not and a And they date, say, you got anything under $20? He's going to say, sorry, you're going to have See, to go to. When, when those women say, you're looking for a date, they don't really mean a date. <laughs> well, that's the terminology <laughs> they use. You know, so, I got, oh, sorry, go, no, ahead. go ahead. I got a friend, squeeze this in because it's kind of entertaining to me at least. I got a friend who's an actual pimp. You might want to have him on the podcast. Sometime. Yeah, sure. He's an actual pimp, but he's a businessman, but he somehow ended up... Booking. Uh, Booking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, he'll have the best stories. <laughs> and he's the nicest guy. He's like a Jewish guy I know from Miami, like totally normal dude. And he moved to Vegas to UNLV on a scholarship and somehow was sur surrounded by the culture of pimping. And all the pimps were like, oh, but you're, you're, you're a white boy. You'll never... You can't pull it off. Like, there's no white boy. And so he made it his mission to pull off actually being a pimp he's a multi-millionaire in, in Vegas? In, no he moved back to Florida but he oh. owned Reality Kings which is a huge porn oh, company yeah. Oh, yeah. then sold it he just bought a house off my buddy in Malibu above Nobu for seven million dollars and I like you know got him the house so I got to commission the deal and my friend he's a very successful entrepreneur and he became a high-end pimp almost more of a madam but the guy version because he wasn't on the streets with the like you pimp picture but he but he has a bunch of women at his disposal for high-end clients that he flies around and I said how much do you pay them if you don't mind me asking and he just held up a zero with his hands what do you mean zero what do you pay them nothing I said well what do they do it for he goes I, I pay their bills I get them their car I put them in a place I'm their father I pay for everything for them anything else is on them but I do not hand them any money I pay I give them the lifestyle 
I said, dude, I almost wanted him to do your podcast so I could find out more about his stuff because I don't. I feel like but, I'm bothering. But like him. he can talk about the, this isn't illegal. I don't know. I, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I think it is because it's you in Florida. Maybe in Nevada. In Nevada, it's probably not right. Yeah. But in well, so prostitution's now, not. But I don't know about pimping. So I mean, now, well, now he does. He now he does more of the webcam stuff because that's where the money is, I guess. So he has a house full of beautiful women that are doing the streaming webcam, right. and he makes a fucking killing. Well, you know, Chris, if you change your mind about taking on sponsors again, um, there you go. You yeah. know. You know, I'm getting some free publicity I had right an here. Escort, yeah. uh, Marla Lyons uh, contacted me, offering she wanted to sponsor the podcast. And, <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, yeah, and this was a couple of years. Like, ago. donate money. But when you say sponsor, you mean you you what do you would do for her? Mention her name. Mention I'm, her. Yeah. She wanted to take Chris in, set him up <laughs> with a certain lifestyle, <laughs> put him up in a place, give him a car. Yeah. No cash, but take right. care yeah, of him. You know. She just right. wanted to take care. Of I, you know, it doesn't sound all that bad actually. I, I'm no. kind of like, could I get his number? Yeah. yeah. Man. Exactly. Exactly. The branching out. You're gonna be a cam boy. Yeah. Man. Yeah. But he did well for himself and he like made it his point. He's like, oh they don't think I can you know, I don't think they think I, I got what it takes and he somehow pulled it off. And he just has that stone cold in him, but he's like this nice, you would never guess in a million years. He'd walk in and he'd be like, Oh nice and you know, Florida boy. Wow. Yeah, he's like the James Meredith of white Pimps. James Meredith being the uh, the student who uh, uh, integrated the University of Mississippi, the black oh, student, shit. first black student at the University of Mississippi uh -huh. who integrated it, and he said, "Okay, it's not all for white people anymore. Now black people are going right. to go to the University of Mississippi." Your friend said, "No, no, yeah, exactly. Pimps aren't just no, no African Americans, Latinos anymore. Sort of a racial justice pioneer." Yeah, he's right. Rosa Parks. I mean, he's the really Rosa yeah. Parks of pimping. <laughs> okay, James Meredith is a little obscure. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, James Meredith, you lost us there. <laughs> Like, like, like one dude is like, well, hey, James <laughs> Meredith, great reference there, Malcolm. <laughs> yeah, Dennis Miller listening. And I was like, yeah, I like that guy. I'm sure James Meredith. Doesn't everybody know what he's talking about? <laughs> Yeah. So you know all those those uh, those people spitting on him as he went to apply for a license to pimp, and they said you can't apply permit. for a pimping right. license. You're a white guy. Permit. Pimping permit. Yeah. I was thinking that you said you were going to say that he uh, he was going to UNLV like on a scholarship for pimping. Yeah. <laughs> so they got a special program there or something. <laughs> yeah. But Reality was, Kings, I think that's the site that Tim or uh, the Ted Cruz. Uh, oh, uh, uh, you know, takes advantage that of on Twitter. Went, went away. That yeah, I don't think we. Well, ever I don't even know about it. Will you tell me? I missed. You know what, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm so, not that. Okay, I'm not in. He, a little what did in the he dark. do? Like he did something on Twitter. He, he like something. at you know 12:30 at night or something. His Twitter feed, his personal Twitter feed, liked. Oh, it liked a video. Uh, a video, a pornographic video. So it, was, it must have. So it must have been open, and he accidentally. Right. I don't right, think he was right, doing right, it but on he was purpose. Also, he's a human being. So much. He's like, this is that good that I'm willing to risk my Senate career. This video, this one. Right. Right, right. No, you got it. That's just, on the daughter banging that guy and getting all hot for it. It's that's just, the worst butt dial you could do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he blamed it on a staffer or, or whatever. He was liking it for later. That it would be like in his <laughs> liked. No, no, no. You guys familiar with Craig Mazin? Do you know that name, Craig Mazin? Uh, no. He was Ted Cruz's roommate in college, and oh, Ted yes. Cruz was running. I, he I came out with all him. these stories. Yeah. He's actually my old pseudo boss. Him and the Weinstein's. They did Scary Movie. Th uh -huh. Craig Mazin wrote Scary Movie Three, uh. and uh, which was a movie I did and, and, and the Weinsteins produced it. So Craig Mazin, you know, is a pretty successful Hollywood screenwriter. So I guess he has a pretty big podcast and a pre about, it's called Script Notes, where he talks about like tips on writing script. And his Twitter got really big because he started telling all these Ted Cruz stories. Yeah. 
about him in college and what a dickhead he was, all these like real things and calling him out. And I, I think it affected a little bit of the, it, it exposed a lot. Something happened, I don't know exactly, but. It drove Ted Cruz people, to be a serial masturbator, it turns yeah. out. <laughs> I mean, I like Ted Cruz more than if you tell me he's liking, but uh, you what was it, uh, uh, Reality Kings? Yeah. Now yeah. I kind of like Well, no, guy. he denied it, of We're, course. Of course, of course. Um, but, and, but his roommate, his college roommate right. came out and said, he, you know, if he's denying this or saying that this is something he doesn't usually do, he's lying because I have, I, I was there right. in college and he didn't. And he had the top on. Yeah. Right. <laughs> squeak, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but it was, I mean, you're right, Chris, you're right that it came and went much faster than it should have. He deserves, <laughs> oh, he deserves God. to have that, that hung around him, his, like an albatross for the rest of his life because he's, you know, prudish and claim, you know. All, oh, he's such a fucking hypocrite. He's, he's, yeah, those, he's pretty those horrible. Those are the ones that scare me the most, those ones that'll tell you, you know. Well, he also was, I mean, but he was, but he, you know, he, like, ostensibly had some integrity because at the Republican National Convention, he made a speech and he sort of shit on Donald Trump a mm -hmm, little bit, mm -hmm. but then apparently his donors got to him and were like, no, he's our guy now, the Mercers, and right. you're our guy, right. and he's our guy, and you're so, going to fall in line. Yeah. So there's a famous photo of him making phone calls for Donald Trump and just looking like, just Oh, the, the he's the Weasley looking guy anyway. Yeah, he looks he like a half like a melted candle. Character. Yeah, and uh, and he was just like this like look on his face like yeah I'm doing this but it's so humiliating. Oh. And Donald Trump is just like. <laughs> but the thing is, if you're not willing to be humiliated, then you eliminate yourself from politics. So how can we be surprised at these fucking weasels that we've got in there? Right, but he, he, for him it was the contrast of what he said at the convention, oh, like he was Graham. going to. I mean, there were a whole bunch of Republicans who were never Trumpers, right? right? Well, right now we got Bob Corker, we're talking about the tags of the politics. Oh, yeah. Bob Corker Total is, uh, is uh, you know, he, he they they threw him a bone and he's like, all right, I got mine. Now he's, yeah, he personally, they paid him off. He's personally going to benefit. He's the senator yeah. from Tennessee okay. who is retiring because he doesn't like Trump and he doesn't want to run for re-election have Trump oppose him and he's right. worried about being attacked from the right, right and he's saying he's got integrity and so on and so forth and he so he doesn't have to vote for this terrible tax bill because he doesn't have to please his donors because he doesn't need to collect any money from them anymore but so he had he, he was the only Republican to vote against it uh, initially and uh, or one of the few I think maybe one of the few um, no I think he, he was one of the only ones uh, but now he's on board because they put in, uh, they wrote in the margin some <laughs> special dispensation for him that he has real estate it's holdings real estate, and it's going to save yeah. him, a, you know, make him a lot of money personally. And so the corruption is just out in the open it's now. Totally. And he's like, you know, what, I've reconsidered. I've, I've, yeah. I prayed on it. I don't know if he said he prayed on it, but <laughs> a lot of them do that. That's <laughs> you know, uh, I, I got Blame some. Blame it on God. <laughs> Didn't Roy Moore say he was going to do some praying after to get him? Re like he said, it's not over after he lost. Yeah, now he's saying he can't believe he's going to go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like this is going good because I, I noticed that Malcolm sees the blank look on my face when you mentioned some <laughs> random politician then he feels he needs to explain it therefore yeah. the listener who might not know is now so I get it I get that's it good. well I know that's the, no, no I'm and it's okay you and you no. totally are saying yeah, I I'm have on board no idea, I know yeah. but you're giving me a look like yeah, I'm yeah. gonna pretend I don't know so Malcolm will explain right. for the, there we the go. listeners oh, there we go so meta yeah this is great He's, yeah, yeah. We're, we're operating yeah. your that awkwardness you were saying before it's, no it's, way nothing nothing evaporated all right I had a thought about the cell phones that I wanted to share with you which I think is amusing uh, because and it also has to do with watching TV. Like you, know, you talked about VCRs and how you can record a program, and that, yeah. that was new. And back when we were kids, yeah, yeah. if you missed a show, that was it. That was it. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. You, maybe it would be on reruns in the summer, but otherwise you you just, it. you, it's over, and yep. there's no there's no catching it unless you have to run to the bathroom on the commercials <laughs> and run back. Right. So. Um, 
so I, I have a 15 year old daughter and I've been or we're working our way through friends you know the, the oh, you know, you're watching which, the whole from beginning to end yes yeah. and whose idea was that it was hers why uh, it's well, her set. It's gained some popularity. It's been on MTV it's running all day. They started airing it on MTV really? in, in six-hour blocks. Yeah, wow. like we used to watch Leave It to Beaver. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's their Leave It to Beaver. Yeah, uh, That's probably it, how she found it. Uh, you, I don't know, yeah. but it's also on Netflix and whatever. Right, you know, so, and right. her friends, you know, there, there are certain shows that are popular with that set and certain old shows that, and she also wants to watch Seinfeld with me. So, uh, but so I've been re-watching Friends, which I watched in its initial run, right. and it's interesting when they make certain references that you know, I have to I have to pause and explain to her who Joey Buttafuoco is, you right, know, whatever. Right, right, right. But one of the things that struck me is that this show took place in. I, so I also write a newspaper column. And I wrote a column about this, the, this experience. Of, uh, and one of the things I talked about is that she. Uh, there, it takes place from the early '90s to the early 2000s, and like if some if a character had a cell phone, that was sort of shorthand for this guy's a pretentious asshole yeah. oh he's got a cell phone oh he gets out of uh. and uh -huh. whereas today we're all pretentious assholes because we all have cell phones if you don't have one <laughs> yeah. you're a pretentious that's asshole. right you're right it's right. the exact opposite yeah. but there are these cultural changes that you don't notice until you're sitting there with someone who right. was not aware of them but uh, yeah like and and of course almost all sitcoms from before the cell phone era you know, they would have been resolved in three minutes instead of 30 because people could just call each other or text each other and right. straighten this out and it wouldn't be that much of a problem. But, uh, but this is, the, you know, these are experiences that these kids will never have. Of, yeah. You know, they've, they've never heard a busy signal. <laughs> they don't right. know what that is. Right. They don't, until I discovered this, sort of, you go to the supermarket and put your uh, card oh. in the reader, <laughs> and then, yeah, and then when, it, when it's time to pull it out, it's like, wow. eh, eh, I'm like, that's vaguely familiar. Yeah. That sort of sounds like a busy signal, and uh, and and then that gets me. I, I can have a teachable moment and be like, when I was your age, and you called someone, and they were already on the phone, that was tough shit for you. Right. Uh, they didn't know you called. Right. And you couldn't you couldn't let them know that you would call them. You just had to call back later. And call waiting, kid. Call waiting. Well, before that, oh, also yeah. the other thing is, you know, you would call. Sometimes you call someone, and the phone would just ring. And oh, yeah, there'd be no machines. <laughs> and yeah. They were ignoring it. Yeah. Because they weren't home, and they were oh, before oh, answering machines. Oh, answering machines. Oh, answering machines. And we all got these answering right. machines, and everybody's outgoing message on the answering machine it's had exactly to be, I hate the these things, these machines, but, you know, leave a message <laughs> after the tone. You know, well, how does this thing, Judith, how does this work? Right. You know, the <laughs> so, but, like, yeah. you, you know, if you couldn't reach somebody, you just couldn't reach them. You em. couldn't reach them. Just, you know, I miss yeah. those days. On the opposite side of the spectrum, name drop real quick, Paris Hilton told me a trick she would do, is that if she had to <laughs> leave. Louis told me yeah. never to drop. Yeah, me. exactly. Yeah. So she told me a trick she would do if she wanted to, let's say she wanted to uh, leave somebody a message, but she didn't want to see th them to see that she called. So she'd take my phone and call the number, and then while it was ringing from my phone, She'd call from hers, and it would go right to voicemail on her phone. And she'd leave the message from her line. That way, they would never see that she called, but they'd get the message later. So she figured out a way to trick the Matrix to go around the back door just to, to leave a voicemail in their right. inbox. But they never had to see her call, so it would be her way of uh, not having to deal with them at that moment. Like, oh, God, i got to call this person back, but I really don't want to talk to them. Let me see your phone, Simon. And she'd call their number. And, oh, because she didn't want to talk to them. She right, she didn't to want to talk message. to them. It was the opposite, oh, right. And wow. so she just wanted to leave a message and deal with them later. That was her trick. I mean, you're a smart cookie. Who wow. knew that Paris mean? Hilton was such a diabolical she, genius? I mean, she's a tech guru. I suspect really? she, yeah. may, she may have masterminded 9-11. I always suspected. Yeah, we, there's been a lot of suspicions that it was her, but... <laughs> Um... <clears throat>
maybe won't get too deep people into nylon. People saw her dancing on the roof of a truck in New Jersey <laughs> when the plane <laughs> yeah. Right, that was, that was it. That was <laughs> it. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, so, so did you, uh, is uh, Paris, uh, you, you have her on speed dial? You have her, uh, you're still, you know, you're still I, buds with, I, with Paris? You know, I, whenever she gets a new boyfriend, she always has a new boyfriend, then she kind of disappears because they don't like her having guy friends, and her and I are really just friends. But uh, I don't, she changes her number more than me, and I change my number a lot. But um, Again, just one see. week. Oh, wait, just I one got week it. I want to have his life. Here, it's 310, just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I think I still have her phone number. It looks That's like good. it. And you got her photo there, just so you yeah, know which No, well, she does is. that. That's not me. She put that oh, in Oh, she there. put that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's you know, nice she invented photo. the selfie. Yeah. You know, Paris invented the selfie, and she no. recently... What? She recently took credit for it, and she posted a picture on her Instagram and said, flashback to 2007 when I invented the selfie, and it was her holding the phone with Britney Spears, and it created this whole thing. Like, who took the picture? She's like, I took it. Like, she... She didn't coin the term, but she kind of created the selfie craze in a weird way. Hmm. I mean, at least well, she was. Portraits have been around. Right, since right, but not you know? with a phone camera. It's like a yeah. certain different yeah. hand angle yeah. than you would with a. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's I used changed. to. I've, I'd taken photos with like an Insta, Instamatic camera of myself. Right. And you, it's hard to get the angle because you That's can't what, see it. Right. And so uh, you get like your nose over it's or a whatever. Different so, arm, like yeah. you think about, it's a slightly different mm. torque of the arm. Mm. Anyway, so, let's just let her have that, okay? So let we've her, got Alexander Graham Bell. So right. little. We've got <laughs> yeah. Thomas Alva Edison. Right. We've got, so we got Paris Hilton. Right. We got James Watt with the steam pimp. engine. We've got the first white, the, yeah. the, 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 the preeminent white pimp. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting him on your show, dude. Oh, I'd love it, to. No, it I'd would be yeah. some good listening. Yeah. I just don't want him to get in trouble. You no, know, he won't. There's any illegal shit. Uh, yeah, yeah, Simon has uh, lots of famous friends. Well, this yeah. is something I was. I uh, Charlie Sheen a lot. I did want to ask you about because how come you weren't in Being John Malkovich, man? The movie? Why yeah. wasn't I in the movie yeah. Being John? Oh yeah. shit! That's a good question. Isn't that great? You, you probably get that a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do. No, what people always don't realize when they say to me, like, hey, man, you're they're like, well, well, why aren't you working on anything these days? And I'm like, you do realize what you're saying? Right? You're in, like, you just haven't seen my direct-to-Netflix series of amazing movies, but that doesn't mean I'm not working. That's right. But people don't realize what they're saying is kind of insulting. Yeah. See, but that's yeah. not, that's the but kind of problem that people I got to laugh at myself. People constantly tell me I look like Philip Seymour Hoffman. And they I think, never would have thought that. And I'm so supposed to thank him right, for that. Right. You look better now right. than he does. Than he does now. Right. Yeah. Because you're posing is what you're saying. Thank you, Malcolm. <laughs> Appreciate that. Listen, I, was, I, I always thought you looked better than he did. He now. was honestly the best actor, though. That guy was fucking incredible, man. Did he ever do anything not out of the park? I mean, yeah. the guy was yeah. amazing. Yeah, you could, you could do worse as, you know, no, come on now. See, this is I've been, I've had this conversation with people because I don't care, obviously, right? It's like I know you look the way you look, so what? But uh, people say that to me, and I'm like, oh, oh, you mean the sort of overweight dead actor, you know? Because it's funny. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, oh, come on, he's a great actor. I'm like. But you didn't say <laughs> yeah. I'm as good an actor as Philip Seymour Hoffman. You know? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. I'm just saying, they could be right. saying, you know who you right. look like? Steve Buscemi. Right. Well, so what? I mean, you could, all I say is you could do worse. Look, I'm the one who people, I, I've been <laughs> legitimately told sincerely that I'm worse than Hitler. Right. <laughs> so, but they didn't say you looked worse than Hitler. <laughs> you know, the thing about Hitler is... Uh, <laughs> what, what, you know, I mean, thing? like, I know this is sort of like I'm not a racist, but like I know Hitler. You know, he did yeah. a lot of bad things, but, but one good thing he did is he pioneered that 
mustache yeah. that so whenever you want to imply that you're doing something dictatorial, all you do is stick your finger up to your below right. your nose. You made it you, easy for that. And joke. you do a little German accent, and it's a, and a great shorthand. Worked great for Monty Python, for right. sure. Was, was Hitler a, a Charlie Chaplin fan? Do you think? Probably not. After Charlie Chaplin made the movie about him. So Charlie, no wait. No, Chaplin was before Hitler, wasn't he? No, he made the movie in the 30s. The movie was made in the 30s about the great dictator was in, uh, oh. it was before the Holocaust and uh, all that had okay. taken place, right, right, but he was right. a rising... Right. Uh, it was Mein Kampf, the musical, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. Mel Brooks did that one. Yeah, that was after. Hey, uh, but isn't it, do you think that we're, uh, as a cultural, uh, sort of the drift of, of history, it seems like we're in this incredibly sensitive moment when, when you look, I mean, I don't know, is this an illusion, do you think, or is it true? Because I look back, I see Hogan's Heroes, a comedy set in a German POW camp. Yeah, I'm laughing already. Yeah, yeah, I mean, how do you pitch that? How, wh what's the meeting like where you're like, listen, and you're talking probably to Jewish producers, right? Here's the thing, I got this great idea. Or, or Mel Brooks comedies, I mean, yeah. you know, they were... They're yeah, Blazing Saddles was like a, I mean... Super that, racially yeah. charged, right? Right, right. And the... Saturday Night Live was racially charged. Yeah. A lot of people have a problem with Birth of a Nation now. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's it's a Klan movie. <laughs> right. No, I'm not that. That's the director who was under fire. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the glor glorifying. The but Klan. I like that you guys explain everything to me because I do not. It's true. Ninety percent of the stuff that goes. Over I my didn't. Head. I was not going to do that. I was going to let that one uh, <laughs> that one drop. But uh, well, yeah, it is a sensitive time. But it's also that, and, and this isn't anything new to you guys or anyone listening. But I think social media just feeds this fire like never before, with this many voices coming yeah. at it at once, like before people would just be sitting around their living room bitching and talking about it, but now it's just streaming into the world all of the okay so this gets back to the the social media anger and angst and shit we were talking about earlier is this real is this sense of outrage real or is it all just an artifact well, then you can say that about anything right I mean well I mean then I, I don't art know. or you know art is it I mean it's subjective is it like you know it's like that's a beautiful painting like is it i mean what okay but what i, I guess what i'm saying is our perception of the culture seems to be largely dependent upon a lot of what's going on online like right, right now i'm right. thinking it's matt damon is getting slammed right because i saw these articles right and then you're saying it and more people hear it and it's rippling right. out but is Matt Damon not going to get work because of this? Is his price going down? Is it, like no, nothing's going to happen. So you're to saying is it a lot of a lot of Sturm und Drang that is on the surface? Yeah. And below the the, sh the the fish and the whales are swimming like they always do and doing what they do, and it doesn't. Nothing matters. You know, like it feeds, we, we have to feed the constant frenzy of uh, something to talk about that we're going to get angry about. We have to be angry. We have to be outraged. And then, but we'll move on to the next thing. And, and taking it to the next step, is it actually that the current under the surface is going the opposite direction? In other words, is this all a way of distracting us from the fact that the middle class is being destroyed, that national parks are being sold off, national monuments are being sold off to uranium companies, we're bombing Yemen, we're, you know, like all this really serious structural shit. I mean, Trump's putting all these fucking federal judges in that are for life who are gonna be fucking up this country for generations. Meanwhile, we're freaking out about Matt Damon and whether, you know, Al Franken put his, did you read that shit about Al Franken? Yeah. I mean. Six women came forward 
I think three of them anonymously, so uh, fuck them. And the three who weren't anonymously, like the woman said he put his hand on her waist and squeezed her waist while she went up to him to get a picture. And now he's out of the Senate. That's the spectrum Matt Damon was talking about. He's, yeah, not, out of, he's, exactly. not, out of the, he's not out of the Senate yet. Well, he said he's resigning right. in the coming weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think he's doing a little, uh, not not so much soul searching, but, but his replacement's been announced. Named. Yes, but if he if he if he changes his mind, then there's nothing. I think to go back to what you're saying, it's not. It, it is. I don't know if it's. Uh, purposely some type of distraction but i think by human nature it's just that weird high school gossipy juicy thing that people are always going to want to talk about that surface stuff uh, you know more so than talking about parks you know uranium companies buying out parks. even though obviously that's a big deal but it's more juicy to talk about matt said but you know it's just so weird thing so is, is that it, american is that an american thing does that exist in in other cultures well, europe yeah, maybe japan I mean, is crazy social media right yeah, and with and celebrity China. and stuff yeah, right yeah i mean i don't yeah I, but I, europe i think less so i mean i think europe is less so because there are a lot of people alive in Europe who remember the wars. Right, right. And it makes them a little more serious right. and grounded about this shit. So right. you're asking if it's just sort of like a, a massive distraction from yeah, it's, what it's, the real... It's a I think distraction from while we're being pickpocketed. I think there's a perception among a significant portion of the population, you can see this in voter turnout, where people just feel like they are powerless and there's no, I can't do anything about that, but I can get outraged about this. this uh, right. I, I've always felt this is sort of the, the thing with, you know, like sports and sports radio right. these people who get so like they're, they're having this, yeah. this screaming it's argument about right. who's the who's the third most underrated interior lineman in the oh, nfc west right. you know i mean like how dare you i mean like and they get really pissed off about this thing that has no effect on their life and and not only are, do they get angry about it but they investigate it and they they take a lot of time and focus a lot of energy right. on it but they don't know that the parks are being sold off and but the, the culture sort of funnels you into that because you can have a commercial radio show that's all about sports talk and you'll get advertisers and so on and so forth, but if you do a commercial radio show where you talk about how the parks are being sold off, then that's the people that are being sold off to are the same people who would be advertising yeah. on your, I mean, it goes back to the same thing we're talking about the, the Young Turks and you know corporate control. So we it's not like anybody is, in a dark room, a smoke-filled room, saying, "Here, let's feed them these bread and circuses." But the the culture just naturally, and the the um, what do you what do you what's your term for the matmos or whatever it is that the I don't know if you ever superorganism yeah the superorganism yeah. you know what do you ever see a Barbarella uh -huh. Barbarella oh the, Jane Fonda Jane Fonda yeah she goes to this this it's been a long time since I saw it but she goes to this uh, city this floating city or it's a futuristic you know sort of psychedelic and uh, but this whole city is. Uh, uh, exists in this ooze called the Matmos, which feeds on fear and greed and envy and all these. Th but she is this perfect being, and the Matmos has to create a bubble around her to protect itself from her. So that's the way I look at your superorganism. This, this, you know, that yeah. just feeds off of all this negativity and hostility and and people. But it, it also, we're not we're not looking at the Matmos and saying, hey, wait a minute, this is this is the the source of it. And so I think that the the culture and the the superorganism just channels us naturally in these directions to get 
very angry about things that we have that, that we feel like we have some control over that we feel like we're invested in and when you root for a team and that team succeeds you feel invested in it. I, you know people who refer to their sports teams as we yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, grown men walking around with another guy's name on his back yeah, yeah, I yeah. Never understood what, that what is that that's yeah. uh, that's very that's strange. something I, I've learned though a, a little life lesson I, I like to pass on to my children is that the uh, the more authentic looking the athletic jersey that someone is wearing the less authentically athletic looking the body that totally. the person wearing it. <laughs> so true. <laughs> it, yeah, they're investing in the jersey. You know, yeah, it's like, you know, that, the guy who wears that club. jersey is 6'4", you know, who, whose jersey is 6'4", 250, and like 4% body fat. You right. are 240% body right, fat. Right. You know? Are you a sports guy? Do you watch sports at I, all? I've actually, I've, no, I've, I've, uh, I mean, I used to be a big football fan. I was a sports fan, but I've become much less because I realize it doesn't matter. And also, okay. but football, I've given up. I used to be a football fan. I've given up football because it's so corrupt Dude, and killing I'm right behind so you. Okay, I'm right behind you. Um, how old are you? I am 47. Okay, I'm 43. And in the last couple of years, I'd say I've found my uh, desire to watch sports dramatically dwindle down because I realized the accumulative hours I've sat there yelling at the television for no reason. In the moment, though, I gotta say, there's something tribal about rooting. It must be something hardwired into like rooting for your home. There's something deeper than you realize, because obviously these guys that are playing for my basketball team, not one of them are from the town that I'm rooting for. Yeah. They're all paid. It's all. But for some reason, you find yourself instinctively rooting and being proud of your home. Yeah. It must go back to some, you know, uh, so territorial, <laughs> tribal like uh, yeah. thing. Because why and the fuck do I give a shit? They're characters. You know. It's yeah. Like, well, like you're talking about Golden State, right? right? That's my team. That yeah. now I don't give a fuck. We just won two rings, and I don't care anymore because now we're good, and it's boring. It's I see. I, wanted, I still I like watching rooting. them because their their skill is so it's un impressive. Yeah, it's unbelievable. You know, it's well, that's what's amazing. the fun of of sports. That's the the authentic aspect of it is what they're doing. What they're these they're performing these acts that are incredible. Yeah. The thing, I the used ball, to be, yeah. I, I mean, I am, I used to be a uh, Red Sox fan. Uh -huh. And the same thing that you're saying, but oh, more so with Golden State, because the whole ethos of the Red Sox is we're perennial losers, like not just like the losers, but perennially right. almost, but never right, winning. Right. For, and then once they won the World Series and won so, it a couple of times, like, who struggle? are they anymore? Yeah, yeah. We're just as bad as the Yankees now. Right. Uh, I've never true. understood baseball. <laughs> uh, it is so fucking boring, man. I mean, I try, I try. It's just... Maybe Game Seven of a playoff series. That's the about World it. Series. Yeah, and the, and and this year there was some good close games, yeah, but that's about. Yeah. I can't watch 162 regular oh, season geez. or whatever it is. It's fucking three unbelievable. and a half hours. I, each. I think that's I mean, It's it's true that pretty much any sport that you don't know is going to be boring to that you. That one I mean, is specific. Cricket. cricket? Yeah. Try to watch cricket. Yeah, it's, but, but it's, makes no sense at all. But there are people who love it, who are crazy about but it. They're all Australian. I love to watch. So I the one thing I did was I gave up the NFL. Hey, shout in out favor. to my Australian oh. listeners. Yeah. There, there are a go. lot of listeners in Australia. I don't know why, but I hope I don't lose them by insulting Well, I'm a cricket. big Parramatta Eels fan, so... A big what? <laughs> the Parramatta Eels. It's, a, 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 <laughs> it's a, a rugby league team in Australia. Do you know uh, Malcolm... Uh, no, not Malcolm. Who's the evil fuck who owns Fox? Oh, Rupert Murdoch. Rupert Murdoch. You know how he started? Yeah, what newspaper in a small newspaper in Australia? He set up Aussie League, Aussie Rules Football. Oh, he set it up. Yeah, that was like Wait, his, he set up his the league. I created the rules, or I, he started a team. I, I, no, I think he started the league. Wow, but Aussie he didn't come rules. up That's with the game deal, himself. Yeah. Like we'll have maybe no, but four maybe quarters it was and they were just playing in yeah. back lots, and he was like, yeah, he turned it into a professional like, enterprise, into a thing. Yeah, I've been uh, to a bunch of parties at his 
son or grandson, Justin Murdoch, is this L.A. socialite dude who's obviously got a ton of fucking money, so he always has the parties. And I mm. used to remember one time I went to his place, and he never really, like, want, he, he wouldn't want someone like me coming around because I'd be a threat to his harem or something. But this one time I showed up, this was maybe, I wish I could have had an image of, like, how cool slash douchey I looked, but I had a convertible Porsche at the time, which is so not me, but at the time, I test drove a Porsche, and I had to have it because it was so fun to drive, and I had a lot of money at the time. So I get the Porsche. And I go to pick up, the, literally, not exaggerating, everyone's gonna hate me listening to this. I went to pick up this supermodel and her friends. So I drive from the Beverly Hills Hotel. What color with is the, the port? It's an ocean blue, it was called. Oh, and it was a nice. hard top convertible. So nice. you could remove the top and then it was just gone. Right. So I had three girls in the back sitting up illegally like on the outside of the car right. and one in the front and I remember just looking at all of them going oh, I'm really driving through Beverly Hills with four supermodels <laughs> right now yeah. and I pull up to his house and he opens the door and I'm there with him and he just looks at me and shakes his head like this motherfucker and he's like come on you know of course he's got because I'm with the girls and that little moment, I was like the biggest douchebag slash coolest guy. In the it world. doesn't have to be a whole week. I would just take like two days. Yeah, yeah. Again, in my twenties. Yeah. Go Still, back. I, but even today, I'm sure right. it's a. But this is, you know, this but is could one you problem. Pull that off, man, or would you be saying, "Girls, you gotta sit down. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna get it." No, I struggled with that. The neurotic Jew in me was like, "Oh, this is bad. I gotta be." And I was a stick ship, so I was worried I was gonna park. Yeah, you know, flip them off the, out the back. back. This was, is this yeah, is yeah. a, um, you know, like. You don't think about until you walk in somebody else's shoes. You don't yeah. think about what their problems are. And I yeah. never thought like one problem I've never had is that some other guy is going to think that I'm a threat to his harem. Right. That's you know that's While I've been able to show up with four fashion models. <laughs> yeah. Like hey, um, I brought my own. Excuse harem, me, excuse dude. me, Chris. It wasn't just fashion models. It was supermodels. Super well, like models. I always tell Chris, it's lonely in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> of, of four <laughs> supermodels. Tell me about it. My name is Malcolm. I, I mean supermodels. I mean, it's I'm like just using everyone the term who does that porn yeah, yeah. is a porn star. Right, right. Like, That's true, you yeah. Know, how about a porn supporting actress? Yeah. How, how about that, you know? <laughs> you never hear about them. You, I'm, a porn no, character. I'm not, right, yeah, right. I'm not a star, but I'm a working porn actress. Yeah, you know, you I, know it pays the right, bills. Right. It's a living. Yeah. B-list. <laughs> You've ever been in, you've been in some sort of porn movie? Yeah, you? yeah. When I was, I dated a girl when I was 18 years old who was in the business. Oh, that's right. And yeah, I didn't know yeah. any better at the time. And I dated this girl uh, who did Hustler, High Society, all that kind of stuff. Right. Right. Ended up going down that road with her a couple times. But you didn't win an AVN. No, award. no AVN. Not like you, man. Not like you. AVN award. Yeah. Right very impressive. Yeah. Very impressive. You want to be in my life for a while? <laughs> yeah, you haven't said issues. Uh, yeah, I mean, how do you feel about editing a manuscript <laughs> that's been sitting around for four years? <laughs> you know that that's, it's it's really glamorous. It's funny that you you mentioned that because uh, one of the things that I. Uh, uh, I've resolved in my life uh, is to stop offering to help edit people's books. That's yeah. Because yeah, I, whenever not an so, offer you make lightly, I you know I didn't realize that. Uh, but uh, well, does but that mean the offer you made to me is no longer valid? Did I make I, that I offer to you? I saved that email. From, I don't from did I did I offer it? I, I think I did offer it to you. No, I, I think I did. Um, but no, it's come from friends of mine or people I know who wrote. Like there's a guy who works at the Young Turk named Jimmy Dore, who's this comedian, oh, and, he, Jimmy, this, yeah. and, uh, and he wrote a book and the in the acknowledgments or the page at the back of his book he thanks a lot of people we work with here at the Young Turks and he misspelled almost everybody's name well done <laughs> and, I, I did that in Sex at Dawn so that's what I said like Jimmy if you write another book please let me at least copy edit it because it's like you want to thank people and you're actually insulting you misspelled them. people's name in Sex at Dawn and had to have it corrected in the acknowledgments, oh right, right. There's, there's my uh, my buddy Mike's brother uh, Stephen um, 
is a very, very smart guy. Very, uh, he was a studio musician for years. He's like a perfectionist in everything. And he spells his name S-T-E-P-H-A-N. That's not fair. But he's called Stephen. He calls fair. himself Stephen. Right. He doesn't say Stefan. Right, right, right. And I always get it wrong, and right. he always corrects me. And uh, it's become a joke because I give right. him shit. You can't like, be the only one, right? You can't, like, yeah. you, you, how you spelling it that way? You're like, it's right. not my problem. It's your problem. you got to change your name, change right. it. And it's been like that. For, I've known this guy since I was in high school. Right. And in Sexodon, in the acknowledgments, he actually put in a lot of work. And I misspelled it. Oh. But he could have thought you did it as a joke, that he didn't think it was very funny. He, d- he didn't correct me. <laughs> See, I noticed that, it myself. But that's myself not his fault. This is, this is another life lesson that, I, you know, like, if you're, when you're naming your child, if yeah. you want to come up with a, an unusual spelling for a common name, then what you're saying is, you know, I've brought you into this world, and you're going to spend the rest of your life correcting everybody's <laughs> right, right, name. That's right. that's the gift I'm going to give yeah, to you. Yeah. Or learn birth. to not give a shit. Or right. or the other one is when you you know, uh, you, you you name your daughter Andrea, you know, and everybody is going to say Andrea, mm-hmm. and then right. so your your first interaction with everybody you meet is going to be correcting them, right? And or not. Right. But then later on, they're going to be like, oh, it's Andrea. Why didn't you tell me? I've been calling you Andrea this whole time. So when, right. when you have a kid and you give them a, cha- a different spelling or worse, a different pronunciation, right. just think about what you're condemning them to the rest of their fucking life, which Names is... Names are so dumb. I mean, you know, I got your name wrong. I, I, names are so dumb. If yeah, I don't people know, get I, pissed too, well, you don't remember if it. you get pissed because somebody got your name wrong, you got issues. You yeah. got, if your name is is you know uh, chases an elk across the river? Then fine, <laughs> it matters because your mother had a dream when you were a fetus about chasing right, an elk. Right. But if your name is Bob <laughs> and I say Bill, Bob is actually the translation of chases elk across the river. <laughs> exactly, it's, it's an acronym. Right. Uh, like fuck off. Yeah. Fuck off. Your name is just a. It's it, Bob. That's not even a name. It's a sound. Don't your, your invest name, your ego in whether people remember your, your name. Your name could be. So many people uh, get pissed, right? Uh, so many people oh, get upset. No, it's ew. Oh, shut up. Everybody I, who gets my name wrong calls me Steve. Nobody's ever called maybe me that's, Mike. Maybe Bob so. You're Bill. punishing your friend Steven subconsciously by misspelling <laughs> his name for, to get back at no, all the people who I call like you it. Steve. I like it. It's like, why am I Steve? Oh, you look like a Steve. And it's like no one has ever got my name wrong with anything other than Steve. That's very curious. It, Interesting. So I'm like, call me fucking Steve. I don't care. I don't. I don't give a shit. A what lot you of people do. Though. A lot of people really get upset. I, you know, I've learned it to the point now because I, we, we meet so many fucking people, and I can, and I smoked a lot of pot, and I don't remember as much as I should. To the point now, when I meet somebody, I say, "Hey, nice to see you." Right. Because if I say "nice to meet you," half the time they go, oh, "Simon, we already met. we've met seven times. It's right. Rick. We're friends. Uh, yeah. and I've been in your house." I donated oh, that kidney yeah, to you. Remember? Yeah, you have my kidney. Yeah. Yeah. We my made sister. love. <laughs> it's me, Rick. Uh, <laughs> so now I just say, "Nice to see so, you." Yeah. Yeah. Nice Sweet to love. see you. And if they say, uh, uh, if they say, um, we haven't met, you're not an asshole. Right. It's worse on the other side. So now I'm just constantly it's happened. Last yeah. night I had a gig yeah. in Riverside, and I had to do that. Then I'm like, hey, and like Simon, it's me. We met. I'm just like, and I just say, dude. Yeah. I, hey. Come on, man. Like, yeah. really? You, you, we met once, and you're upset that I don't remember your name. Like. But this is you, you, you. It's a show business, and people remembering you is important. Yes. And all sort of it stuff. Is. So yeah. with the, it I think is. Babe Ruth called everybody kid or champ or right. sport or something like that. Like. Every Everybody, even like his manager. Oh, the worst one is guy. Someone's like, hey, guy. Like, guy? Well, that's yeah. a demeaning one. Like, 
Because yeah. someone calls you a guy. Right. Oh, that one just feels chief. like an asshole. Hey, yeah, chief. or boss. <laughs> like, we're at work? Okay, employee. <laughs> boss. I, I have a weird thing about names. Like, uh, I, I have a little bit of a uh, phobia, a terror of names. Because when someone's introducing themselves to me, I'm already forgetting their name. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Me so too. I have this whole thing, like, hey, how you doing? And, hey, good to it's see you. It's gone. Just, like, yeah. What you and, should and do is try to, to work the their name into your rap as you do it, because it'll help you remember. Chris, nice to meet you. Chris, huh? Chris, you, you are like Chris. Fucking car no, you You're don't. because to say it five times to yourself. Because, because, because but, but you, this presumes yeah. I, you want right. to know. Right. Who gives There's a shit? Well, too many people. You have to care. That's true. Does Dunbar's number exclude meeting someone and remembering them, or is that just relationships? It's just relational, ongoing relations, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's but it, it it is weird because like, you know, like let's say we're the, the we're sitting here having a conversation and Jenk walks over, right? Yeah. And so now it's my job to introduce Jenk to Simon because now Jenk knows me. Mm -hmm. I might forget your name. Right. That's when you say, Simon, I'm going to go to the bathroom. Can you right. introduce yourself? Right. Or not? No. Or whatever. Whoever. Every, every the woman one name I you know. take to a party before we get to the party. I say, like, introduce yourself to people because I can't. I, right. I freeze up. It, it, right. I just can't do it. Right. So I'll go in and I'll say, hey, this is my friend, uh, right. you know, whatever her name is. And then, like, that, and take it from there, you know? Right. Yeah. I can't do it. It's nice when people are aware that that's what's going on and they take the initiative. Right. Like, right. Thank you. Right. You know, and yeah. <laughs> being yeah. on the same page with someone. Then some yeah. people address it, oh, what, you don't remember? My, and then they make it even worse because yeah. they know you don't remember. Yeah. It's uh, funny. Everybody calls you Steve. It's Steve. It's always Steve. Because uh, I have. A, I have an issue with, um, and this is something that I try to combat, which is when you meet somebody, whether they have some prominent feature about them or their uh -huh. name rings a bell or whatever, like the cliche is somebody tall and be like asking them if they play basketball. And so when uh, what I've, I've learned or tried to teach myself not to do is whatever when I meet somebody and whatever I react to them about them, their appearance or their name, whatever, the first thing that comes to my mind, don't say it, right. because I mean, right. I, I, would, I mean, right. I would guess like people right. say Simon says to you. You're right. Like how right. many millions of times have people Never said heard Simon that one, said, yeah. Actually, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I get you know, like when I do shows with Jenk, if Jenk's yeah. on the show, I insist on sitting on one of the ends because he always makes a stupid Malcolm in the middle joke. Right. And so like that, this is like one of the life lessons I try to teach Got my it. kids. Like, right. and you know, when you meet, you think it's clever. Right. It's right. not. If whatever right. comes yeah. to your mind, the first thing they've heard it a million times. Right. And what I, so what I've done is I will actually ask the person I bet a lot of times you meet people and they say mm -hmm. who Simon says mm -hmm. uh, and what I get in, is that puts me in Dutch with them because they're like this is a person who empathizes with right. me who actually gets me instead right. of just instantly saying and uh, the other thing I, I uh, I've also taught myself to do that I remember from my own childhood I don't know why I'm sharing this stuff but is when I when I see a kid for the first time who I haven't seen in a while I never say oh my gosh you you're so big up. you're yeah. so big and I don't say that uh, because to a kid, they haven't grown up. They're just right, the same right. way they were yesterday. I don't see, yeah, my, you know, yeah. d don't, it's not about you. It's about, make it about them. Be like, right. oh, look at you. I, I'm so happy to see you. And the other thing is not to say is, do you remember me? Right. I, I used to get that all the time as a yeah. kid. I'm like, and you see how uncomfortable they get. Yeah. Yeah. Don't whatever you do. Don't put the child at ease. Make right. them comfortable, and that's the same thing with adults. Don't put them like you know. Yeah, oh. I just hand them a drink. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, here, here's a cocktail. Scotch and soda. Yeah, <laughs> that's your drink, right? Relax. It was last year when you were smaller. I'm not right. commenting on that. Yeah, not not that you've grown or anything, but uh, <laughs> you still take tequila neat. 
Yeah. But like when people say that, Simon says, yeah. what do you say? I usually, go, I, I usually jokingly say, I've, I've never heard that one before. Yeah. Right, so but like, what, you know, when if people say that to you, the message they're sending is, I am a walking cliche, yep. and I don't have original thoughts, and I just say the first thing that comes to my mind. Yeah, in a weird way, it automatically makes me like, okay, like this person is not like you said, what was the word you used? Uh, uh, there's like a connect, you have a connection with someone or you don't, and immediately that might make me be a little more uh, turned off, let's yeah. say. Yeah. This is, For, you know, and it's a ridiculous right. reason. I mean, they're probably they're, just they might being just nice be and nervous. nervous. Yeah, exactly. And they're trying to. Like Although I did hear that, the, I, I don't remember where it was, but I heard some guy who was really tall, who was African American, uh, who was asked frequently if you he must have a big dick. <laughs> <laughs> I get that a lot. Uh, oh, you're not talking about me? Oh, you're talking about me? I'm sorry. I didn't. I was like, why are you just looking at me? Wouldn't it suck to be African American with a small dick? That would be the worst of all. I don't think. Well, I think about the uh, there's like an Asian guy with the biggest dick ever. Yeah. And a black guy with the smallest. I want them to stand next to each that'd other. Be a and great I want buddy that photo. Movie. Yes, that'd be a great buddy movie. <laughs> a buddy porn. Right. Are there buddy porn movies? There maybe, be. maybe that's I where Rush Hour be. started. You know, where they have they have these movies that they start as a script one way and then they you know yeah. they get doctored and change so much yeah. that it winds up. Maybe Punch that was the, the original idea for anyway, Rush I Hour. Anyway, interrupted you. The, oh, uh, just oh, this guy. He would say, people say, oh, do you play basketball? And he would say, no. Are you a jock? <laughs> right. That's good. <laughs> now, you smell like horse shit. <laughs> so I noticed you guys just said, each of you said African-American in a sentence. Is that really the politically correct way to say it? Or is black okay? Because I had an I Uber driver recently. black was good. Okay, because you both just said African-American. Yeah. with me, uh, And I don't know. I was just following Malcolm in got the middle it. I have a theory on this if you want to know. Well, let me, uh, uh, how about yes. this? And then tell me. Um, I was in an Uber recently, and the driver was a cool young black chick. And we were talking about this, and we got to talk. And she goes, I'm more offended if somebody says African American. I'm black. Like I don't care. You know, I don't care. And I was wondering if that was a generation. She's brown thing. though. She's not black. Well, and I'm not white. I'm yeah. uh, what peach? peach. I mean, you yeah. know what I mean. Like, yeah. but uh, she goes, we I'm more offended if somebody says African American. That then yeah. they're trying too hard. And I'm black. You know, it's, it's not an offensive thing. She goes, it's how you say it. Obviously, and that's yeah. what we're going to back before. Yeah. It's the way you say it. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Donald Trump uses Af African American. It doesn't mean he's not a racist. Right. My theory on the African. But he's one of the black people, really. <laughs> Where are my blacks? Right. Um, <laughs> well, that's one of my African Americans. I mean, right. that's, it's so yeah. it's so cringe. Oh, uh, so where are my African Americans? Blacks for Trump. I love these guys. They're in the uh. field, Massa. <laughs> so uh, I I open with African American and then use black because okay. when you open with African American, I think that sends a message okay. that I'm sympathetic. But got then it, you can use it. black after that that you're not saying. And I and Negro, by the way, means black. Yeah. Negro in Spanish. Yeah. Right. Right, right. It's so Casilda will you know refer to someone as a Negro, and it's like, oh, I'm the white guy telling her not to say that. Right. She grew up in Africa. Right. Like, what? Yeah. Right. How does that work out? You know? It's fucking crazy. Malcolm's thinking of something, but he's not going to. No, say I'm thinking it. I'm going to go to the bathroom. Oh. I'm going to take a break from you guys for right. a second. You yeah. take a break. You want to keep talking? Or you take keep talking. Let's, 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 uh, let's talk yeah, about Malcolm. You can, you can talk yeah, about Malcolm. Let's talk about Malcolm while he's gone. All right. Yeah, I'm turn that down. Discuss All right, so Malcolm's going to go uh, to the bathroom. So, uh, Malcolm, you know, it's funny. Uh, as we were talking about ways to remember, 
I was like, I'm thinking, what's the trick gonna be to remember Malcolm? But we've said it enough time. Usually you don't sit in a, we've been here for an hour talking with them, so it's pounded in my head. But usually when you meet someone, it's so quick. Yeah. Oh, hey, James, right. and then you're off, and then you're supposed to remember, yeah. you know, usually you're not uh, in a confined room talking this much to anybody. That's why these podcasts are so cool. These are not, not forced, but you are really, you have these uh, p sort of parameters or bookends to where you are, you, you I'm not looking at my phone. I'm right. not talking, you know. So you really get to know someone quick. It's like a rapid, in, in this yeah. one hour with him, I'll get to know yeah. him better than some people that I really know, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, in the world of, of constant interruptions, it's one of the few times where I sit down with people and I don't look at my phone. They're not looking at their phone. It's refreshing. It's like- The, the only time we did was to look up something in regards to what we were talking right, about. Right, and I found yeah. myself, just to be completely honest, I found like the, the addict in me a couple times has been like, oh, look at the phone. I'm like, no, don't look at your phone. Yeah. What, it's Saturday afternoon. What do you really need to see at this moment? Fucking nothing. Right. It's just like a habit. Uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, I don't know who, who I was reading. Somebody does a thing where like, uh, at least one day a week, they turn off the phone, For like Saturdays. Oh, it's like great. Saturdays, that's everybody needs to know, my phone's off, yeah. I don't look when at I, social media, nothing. When I travel international, I don't get the local phone, so I only have it at the, the cafe or the hotel. So oh, 90% of the day, right. I just am in the moment, right. especially when you're traveling. Yeah. So I'm taking it, he went number one because he's already back. Yeah, yeah he's Malcolm. back. Malcolm's back. Was that number one or number two? Or number you know what, I'd rather number three? discuss. I don't, I, don't, I don't like to put labels. You know, I, I have to say, like, I don't have a lot of talents, but I'm the fastest shitter. Really? Like, I take a Like dump. a girl. Girls could do that. And people are like, what? Like, like I got to, you know, drop a deuce. And they're like, what? You're back already? And like, girls are real dude. good at that. Girls, could they, I've been with girls for two years. Yeah, and they, they don't, hit. like, take the newspaper dude, in. No, and no, like, man. What is no, it? They're with, good. They're so that? used to, obviously, they're embarrassed is it the about guys, it. Is it the guys take that long to shit, or they just want to be alone for a while? Well, if you bring your phone in there, forget about it. You're going to be on the toilet for 20 minutes instead of three, you know? Hmm. I think yeah, there's I an element of... I don't of, ever take my phone to the toilet. Really? Yeah. I think you there's an element of downtime. I have, you know, because sometimes... It's meditative. I, I don't know. It's meditative. This is getting a little personal, but yeah, sometimes it takes me a while, and I don't... It's boring just sitting there waiting for your body to do its do thing. Do you use a squat thing? I, I have a squatty potty. And does it help? Uh, well, what this, I don't know if the squatty potty helps. This is uh, getting graphic. <laughs> <laughs> the squatty potty, for those who don't know, is just this little plastic sort of ledge yeah, that you put yeah. that grow, that goes wood, around. Or wood, if you have class. He got the wood one. I got the bamboo. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, some of us don't have all that, uh, all, all that advanced <laughs> money for civil, civilized to death advanced money that we're burning through. <laughs> Mine's plastic. Uh, but yeah, you lift, lift your feet up so it's closer to like an Asian squat to when you go to the bathroom. Yeah. It, it doesn't, I don't think it makes I don't know if it makes things happen faster, but I think it keeps prevents you from getting like hemorrhoids and things like that from yeah. uh, that you, people are inclined to if they spend too right. much time well, sitting on the potty. Someone was explaining to me the other night that the, uh, the the I guess it's the the rectum or the rectal canal or something. It, it it has a twist in it. There's like a like an S. Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm That's just a, a cat penis. What's that? It's a fit a cat's corkscrew penis in, isn't it? That's not a cat. That's a pig that has corkscrew penis. Dude, cats really? have spines on their oh, penis. Oh, yeah. 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 Sorry. Ooh. Yeah. I thought the pigs had the corkscrew tail. They got a corkscrew everything? Corkscrew everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, sorry. I interrupted, though. Uh, Back to the rectum. Right. So the, the rectum has a, a twist. If you imagine like a, I don't know, a hose, a piece of hose, and you just twist it 180 degrees, it's got that like block in it, right? Mm -hmm. And when you squat, it opens that. Mm. So when you're not squatting, when you're just sitting on the throne, you're pushing the shit through that 
twist. Yeah. Which is how you you fuck yourself up. I think you heard that at Stanley's birthday. Your buddy. That's buddy's, what it yeah, was. Yeah. Yeah. It was yep. uh, uh, Aaron Alexander. Yep. yep. Yeah. 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 Yep. I believe him. Exactly. He seems to know his stuff. Oh, he knows his he shit knows, about he physiology. Knows his shit. Yeah. yeah. We were squatting when he said that. Right. Actually. I like the. Yeah. But you know what? When you, if you don't use that, if you have a traditional toilet, sit on it like uh, you know in the Western fashion, you you give your fecal matter a little amusement park ride, a little spin as it goes out, like you know thrilling. Ah, and raise your right. arms as they go out. It's not really. Is that how you imagine your turn? Now maybe I will. At the park I didn't know it was had, had this kink in it. I was thinking, but now I know that the rectum is shaped like an old telephone cord, and uh, yeah, and you know, <laughs> remember phones with telephone cords? Uh, <laughs> full circle. But I'm, I just want to see your CV, Chris, because it's now. I hope it has teleprompter reading and, and quick shitting, like an AVN award winner. That's true. Like I mean, you know, if you want to, you know, my CV is. If I ever actually wrote, I've thought of I should write it just because it would be such a bizarre document. Yeah. Not, if if I ever had to get a job, God <laughs> damn, are you kidding? Well, there's the question of what you'd do. <laughs> <laughs> to start with, and who would let me do it, much less pay me to do it. Forget it. Yeah, I, I don't mean, Simon, mean you're the, the same. If you ever had to, like, get a job. I mean, not in a very long time, and when I do work, it's still not a real job. No, maybe I mean, the hours. Actor and you don't have a resume. But I'm saying, like, a job job, like go to an office. Would I be able to, or have I ever? Would you be able to? Uh, at this point, it would probably be as difficult for me as like going back and sitting in a classroom or something. Like just, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I it would be hard for me. I think about it a lot. If I had to go back to uh, that, like you know, nine to five world. schedule of getting yeah. up and sitting and like commuting traffic with a tie and putting a tie or? in, a, yeah, and, and having some guy yelling at you, like I can't yeah. imagine. I, it would be very hard for me at this point in my life because I've had 25 years of just doing whatever the fuck I want right. to do. And I'm pretty conditioned to being my own boss of sorts. And I mean, I'm you, so you blessed. Said the word, like, boss. Hey, boss, what's up? But, yeah. like, when people refer to another person as their boss, right. does that feel humiliating to you? Yeah, right? It's a little... Yeah, it's strange. It, like, hey, like that's my boss. Oh, then I was talking to my boss the right, other day, right. and my boss said uh, blah, blah, blah. It's a weird thing, but what is the better term? What can you what can you use? You, I mean, if you say it's just your coworker, right. then you're. Right. It's like you're not admitting that this person is your supervisor. Right. Uh, but your supervisor. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're, they're yeah. all terrible. It's, it's, so superior. Sub it's just yeah. so subservient. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's really. And that's why all these sex scandals happen, because those people in that power all of a sudden have this power right. they can use over right. you. Right. They're the boss. And they're abusing that power, you know, because that's a lot of what that shit is, is these guys with power and no game, you know. Yeah. I don't know. It's a weird time. It's a weird like time I was even really. like it's funny. I, I do a live comedy music act, and I did a show in Riverside last night. And during the show, I was having to address and make a joke out of it because I bring a bunch of girls on stage, and everyone's dancing, having a good time. And and one of the girls comes up and grabs me, and she's like doing these kind of sexual kind of grinding moves. And I'm jokingly saying to the audience, "You guys are all witnesses. I didn't do it." You know, yeah. and they all laugh. And that's the cult. That's the climate that we're in. That's really right. it. Like that, I could joke around, and everyone got the joke, and it was just it exists like that. Like, so how what percentage of your audience knows that you're sort of that it's a parody of rap what you're doing? I'd say most of them know because I've even asked, yeah I remember I mean, once dirt I nasty did, is sort of I mean they get it away. like uh, you know it's, they're coming there for a good time to get away from you know I think the the norm uh, and just have a laugh and let loose and and I remember once a woman brought her son to sound check and he was a ten year old kid in New York City at Webster Hall and some ten year old kids wearing a dirt nasty shirt. 
and I genuinely felt bad. I'm like, this kid shouldn't be listening to my extremely dirty music. I wouldn't want my 10 year old kid listening to. And then I said to the kid, you know that this is all a joke, right? And the mom laughed and goes, what do you think? We're stupid? Of course we know. That's why we're here. It's hilarious. Mind you, this is a New York City mom. Right. But that let me, uh, it was a big sigh of relief for me to know that I really wasn't ruining some 10-year-old kid's, you know, life. You know? But then I think back when I was 10, I was listening and watching, like, I remember hiding and listening to Andrew Dice Clay cassette and keeping it low enough to where my parents couldn't hear because it, it was like, you know, he was saying, suck a dick. I was like, whoa. Yeah. And this is 1983 or whatever Dice right. Clay was in. But weren't the, weren't the Beastie Boys, like, their whole act in the beginning yeah. was sort of supposed to be a parody of It was of right these, after that. It was very were, close to they that. They were supposed to be parodying these frat guy lifestyle with, right. you know, party, you know, fight for your right to party. Right. And then all of a sudden they became big stars right. and with groupies and everything. And they're like, wait a minute, your right to party is a pretty good thing to fight for maybe after right. all. And then, you know, <laughs> they became serious musicians and so on and so yeah, but yeah. I think in the beginning they were it was all a lark. Was right around but then people were totally taking it seriously, like, yeah, fight for your right to party, man. Right. Well they started <laughs> off as a punk rock band and then rap got big and they just went down that road and then uh, it just happened to work really well for them. Yeah, their first album was a rock album. You know that Beastie Boys were like a, a punk scream band. Hmm. Makes sense. You could kinda hear it. Beast well, the, Beastie Boys. That sounds like a punk band. Right? From the name, yeah. And I think they did a rap song as like a joke, and oh, this is what we should do. It's a, Rick strange, it's a strange thing, like where you start off as a parody of something and then you become that thing. Right. I bet a lot of life trajectories follow that path. But I mean, in art, there, there, there are a lot of Rolling Stones songs where they're clearly making fun of a musical genre, but it's good they do such a good job <laughs> right you know the girl with the faraway eyes is one of my favorite examples yeah you've, you've talked about that before yeah they make fun of it's making fun of country music right but it's so thank good thank you jesus thank you lord well, uh, <laughs> I've, I've heard that um weird al i think made an album that was supposed to be sort of inspired by devo and mark mothersbaugh and then uh and Mark Mothersbaugh, I remember seeing him interviewed or talking about it and saying, yeah, but it's better than, like, I mean, I was pissed at him because it's better than anything I do. Hmm. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's, it's Weird Al, yeah. so you're not, you don't think it's going to be complimentary, and then he actually winds up being really good at it. Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I, one thing that reminded me of is, uh, I don't know if it's the same thing of becoming, a, you know, what you parody, but I remember, like, late in his life, like, Bob... Uh, yeah, Bob Denver, who played Gilligan oh, on Gilligan's oh, yeah. Island. Oh, yeah, was a big Bob Denver. Oh. He played Gilligan. No. Oh, no, that wasn't Bob Denver. Yeah, you're thinking of John Denver. Oh. John Denver. John yeah. Denver. Rocky okay. Mountain High right. is John right. Denver. Right. Bob right. Denver was, right. uh, was Maynard G. Krebs and the Beatnik, right. and then he became he was Gilligan on Gilligan's Island. Gilligan. And, you know, after he was typecast as Gilligan, and whenever people met him, they'd be like, oh, Gilligan, you know, I mean, and he, would, he was not happy about being Gilligan. Right. But at some point in time, he came to grips with it, and he just wore the hat, and he was like, yeah, I'm Gilligan for people, and I'm just ha I'll do that for them. At least, he was, at least he let go, you yeah. know, because he could have fought that forever to no end, you know? What, what do you think about uh, Gilligan and the Skipper? Gay couple or not? <laughs> I think they were. I think they were a gay couple. There's so many uh, like innuendos or, or metaphors within that show. Wasn't uh, was it Gilligan's the devil, and he keeps fucking them up by getting off the island because he would sabotage every yeah, time he was wearing red, uh, and he was supposed to be the devil. And then so you have like lust and greed. Like each one was a different sin or something. Marianne. Yeah, and I always thought Marianne was hotter than Ginger. 
Marianne was a little brunette, right? Yeah. Ginger yeah. Uh, cruised on me. She was like 90. I saw her five years ago, maybe more. And she was old, obviously. And she was like, very much like the character, just how breathy. And, and I was like, dude, that's Ginger, uh, Ginger from Gilligan's Island. Like at a party? It was a something? few years ago. Yeah, she was old, but still kind of hot. Yeah. And she was flirting with me and my friends. Did you think it about going for it? It was like she walked right off the set. It was like, holy shit. Did you think about going for it? I thought about it, but then quickly didn't. But yeah, I thought about it. <laughs> quickly yeah. didn't. I quickly, I quickly did well, nothing. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> the thought crossed my mind, and then she was. Well, you know, just for the. I, mean, I know. All right. Have you ever been with someone just for the like, the fact that it was her and not not attracted to her? Like if Sophia Loren wanted to fuck me right now, right? I would definitely fuck Sophia oh, Loren. Like the, right now, her at her peak or her now? Just to say, right? Now, oh, at her peak, hell yeah. Are, right. we, are we being broken into? Yeah, somebody's come in. Hello? Hello. Is that Leah? Huh? Oh, hi. Hi. Come on in. <laughs> you can pull up a chair, grab a mic. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, so, just, yeah, yeah. just for bragging rights. Well, you, well, yeah, yeah. Not even to brag, oh, just for yourself, yeah. Or, or, or you know, I don't know. I don't no, know no, I get what you're it. saying, but I, like, my experience in meeting celebrities is nine times out of ten, I wish I didn't meet them. It's like, you don't have to pet the lion, you could just observe the lion and its magnificent mane, and once you go and interact with it, you're often let down, you know? I, at least I am. Like, because so many, because you my assume they were something special? Know, yeah, you just have this fantasy, and, you're, and you meet them and they do something mundane and normal and real, and the fantasy's just crushed, or they say something rude, or, yeah. you know what I mean? Right. That happened to me with Joey Buttafuco. Oh, he crushed your no. teeth. He wasn't, yeah. he wasn't a hero. I he, you know, he's such a hero. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm interested in this. I want to know, because you are you, you're a, a face that people recognize all the time, I'm sure. And are disappointed when they Right. Meet. No, yeah, but, no, well, I think, I mean, that's, that's, well, the one problem I think that a lot of, you know, certainly if you're a super famous person, is that everybody who meets you or runs into you and wants to talk to you or whatever, that you have to be nice to them or they're going to go back and tell their friends and tell everybody, they know, oh, Tom Hanks was a dick to me or whatever. Right. I think Jennifer Lawrence has said she's intentional. Uh, right. off-putting to people right. because she just can't it's yeah. too much energy she's got to put out there but like so I've actually because of my work with the Young Turks I've been recognized in public a couple of times you've been recognized a number of times I know just by your voice once in like Colorado somewhere right yeah in Crestone yeah so and I don't I, I was totally not expecting it and the so I don't know what the protocol is but like when someone recognizes oh I'm a big fan oh I love you whatever and then like where, where does the interaction go from there and where does it end? <laughs> yeah, and that's always a tricky one. And it's funny you say that because, well, I, you know, I, I have moderate, you know, uh, I guess attention that you, you that people might. Usually what happens with me is people, they look, where do I know you from? They don't know. They just recognize yeah. me from something. And then, can I get a picture with you? And I want to say, why do you want a picture with me if you don't know who the fuck I am? It's such a weird thing. At least the days of, uh, almost like the days of autographs are easier. I think I've asked for one autograph in my entire life. I never would want someone's signature. But those days are over and now it's a picture. What happens with the awkward moment is, is when they whip out their phone camera, it ends up, what should take four seconds, takes 45 seconds, and it's so and awkward, yeah. and oh, it was on video, yeah. oh, can I get another one, this one's weird, yeah, and then yeah. it becomes 
was an awkward thing yeah. instead of it just being cool. And the other day, this guy rode by on a skateboard. He's like, hey, Simon, big fan. Bumped my fist, kept going. I said, right. everyone That's could be that fucking be. easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it isn't. Yeah. Sorry, but I, it doesn't I, happen I, to me a lot. I mean, it, right. you know. I, but at least with the photo, usually that's where it ends, right? They right. take the photo and they go, next meeting, you I, see you later. I lead the dance, and yeah. I usually say, thank you, man, have a good one, and they get the clue. Right. Otherwise, they'll keep hanging out. Yeah, yeah. It's like Too Short told me, he's like, never smoke a joint with your fans because you don't realize you're committing to six minutes or whatever with them, and by the time it's over, they want your phone number, they want you, right. you know, just <laughs> keep it moving. That's like, know? but drug deals in general, I don't, I haven't uh, done this in many years, but I remember like, you know, what's the protocol of how long do we have, we have to smoke out a little bit together, but how long do, you know, right. we, we have to spend the whole afternoon together? Like, where do I, you know, it's not like anybody's under any misapprehension about right. what's going on here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right, you know, right. We're doing a transaction. We're not friends, but we have yeah. to sort of pretend like we're cool with each other and like, okay, man, well, I got a bolt, uh, so, but thanks a lot, you know, whatever. Yeah. No, stay. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I used to have that guy. He was a weed dealer in New York, and he would, uh, he charged, I remember it was a weird price, like thirty-two fifty for an eighth of weed. But part of the deal was he didn't want people going in and out all day, so you had to hang out for a while. Because yeah. it was in his apartment. He was this older oh, guy. Oh, right. And he was, uh, like, uh, no, I'm not going to say who's, doesn't matter. Anyway, the guy was, uh, you know, the, the weed dealer in New York in the 80s and 90s. And you have to hang out. You're like, ah, oh, fuck, I want some weed, but I got to go hang out with this guy for 30 minutes. You know, it's like, but you had to do it. So that was the only time mm. it was a forced hang because he didn't want the traffic in and out, in and out. Huh. You know? Yeah, I miss yeah. those days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a woman recognizing me in a bar once. And uh, she's like, you wrote Sex at Dolly? Yeah. Like, oh my God, oh my God, wait right here, wait right here. She leaves, comes back a few minutes later with a Sharpie. And she says, will you sign my ass? Yeah. <laughs> She pulled up her skirt and I Pretty signed cool, her ass. Huh? She's a nice ass. Too. There you go. Yeah. That you don't, but that's sort of the implications that you created it. I mean, that's uh, that's no good. It's like signing a painting. You know, you had no responsibility for that ass. No, I just, but I was there. So that's that's one I'm I'm. That sounds like a relatively good one. To, it's a good advice that when people recognize you in public, you just have a sharpie with you. Right. Say, would you like me to sign your ass? Right. Yeah. You do yeah. that, and then no selfies. No. But I'll sign your ass if you yeah. like. Imagine the har harassment. <laughs> <laughs> Harassment? Is that how they say it in England? Yeah. Harassment? Harassment, yeah. Is it envelope or envelope? Ah, <laughs> uh, got him. I came up with this yeah, one the other day. I it was like, envelope. you say tomato, I say tomato. Is yeah, it envelope I think it's or one of those, envelope? but, but mm. envelope ah. as the verb ah, so has an E at the end. Then. No, no, no now it has a verb. Oh, it doesn't e have any at the end. Yeah. Right, okay. Uh, but that's, I mean, the question you're asking is, like how how do you pronounce something? Yeah, it's right. like who's the authority? Right, There's no right. board of governors who right, decides. Right. Okay, from now on, it's what came envelope. first, orange, the color or the fruit? <laughs> mm. I would I'd imagine the mm. sunset they named orange, and then they said, oh, the fruit is similar to the sun. But that's a different question because everybody no, has a, an opinion about that's a envelope different question. versus. I just went on to another question. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but there are a lot of words that people you know mispronounce. Everyone right. you know they're mispronounce. You know, uh, uh, the word is not pronounced mischievous. It's mm. pronounced mischievous. Right, but right. If enough people mispronounce it long then enough, it's normal. then it is mischievous. I was watching this um, this reporter the other day talking about how Amarosa got uh, kicked out of the mm -hmm. Oval Office. This was on MSNBC. The reporter Robin something I think her name is Roberts. No, no, no she's no. on. No. She's um, she's the White House course, one of the White House correspondents. Anyway, she's uh, she's black, and she said they were talking about whether. Uh, Amarosa quit or was fired 
And she said, and, and literally in like two minutes, she said they asked her to leave. Um, and she said this five times. And then the question was, did the Secret Service escort her out? And she said, no, they didn't escort her out, but they did ask her to leave. And I thought, why isn't it exhort her out? If it's axe, <laughs> I mean, right. why? why? Right. I, I, I mean, talk, talking about how mispronouncing a word, it becomes uh, normalized. It's really interesting how that can happen within certain populations. Right, but it's also because the word ask is much more frequently used than escort. And so... Uh, unless you're an escort at an abortion clinic. Well, <laughs> no, that's right. Well, unless you have a prof your professional escort. Like, I, I was a volunteer escort. Right. <laughs> it's the yeah. terrible thing. Right. <laughs> so, so just to, to absolve the awkwardness of the axe thing, let's get back to your abortion gig. <laughs> how, how did you become an uh, abortion escort? Uh, so I used to spend Thanksgivings in Louisville, Kentucky. You've met my cousin from Louisville. And her father was a history professor there and was active at the ACLU. And, uh, and so I, every Saturday after Thanksgiving, as was our became our tradition that I would go and escort at his clinic with him, and in Louisville it was much more wait intense. Wait, 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 wait! You lost me. Okay, so he was a history professor who became an abortion doctor. No, he no. just he was an activist. He, he you know, a oh. progressive. He's an activist. Oh. We act, I said active with the ACLU oh, and okay. you know an old time lefty from, and so he uh, he volunteered. He was one of the volunteers at a clinic in Kentucky, in Louisville, Kentucky, which was uh, m more intense than the experience I had in living in Arlington, Virginia, oh, yeah. because it's Kentucky and there are only three clinics in the state of Kentucky, I think maybe like one in Louisville, two in Lexington at the time, something like that. And that was one where the people just parked on the street and they had to get from the street into the building. And as soon as someone parked, there's a lot that's comical about this actually, because as soon as someone parked on the street anywhere like in the block radius, everybody, the, the protesters, the escorts, would flock to the car and try to surround the door. And half the time it wasn't anybody going to the clinic. <laughs> you know, Just trying to pick up their drugs. Right, some elderly man gets out. He's like, what the hell is going on? Stay away from me, you whippersnappers. So, uh, so that's like comic. And then we'd all like, okay, break. You know, it's like right. the, 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 the referee blows the whistle and you go back to your, you know, your respective corners or whatever. Um, but then if it was a patient or you suspect it was a patient, then the escorts try to lock arms around, sort of form a circle or semicircle around while the, the protesters are like shoving literature, I'm using air quotes, literature at them and yelling at them and saying, you know, don't kill your baby and all that sort of thing. And uh, um, and so then you as a group sort of try to, and I don't think a lot of the women were prepared for this. They, I don't think that the clinics necessarily briefed them on what was going to happen. Uh -huh. So as I was saying earlier, any uh, day, yeah, you know, I get up early on a Saturday is bad enough, but when you're going to get an abortion, that's an extra bad Saturday. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you're in this like, feeding frenzy of people who are, you know, some are helping you, but you don't know who they are, and they're all, everybody's yelling at you and whatever. So it's it's a mob scene, and then you just, you know, basically try to get them to the to the door and in, and then it's, you know, it's like uh, it's like kicking the ball out of bounds. Like, hey, every calm, you can walk again, and then up oh, here, uh, again for the next one. In my clinic, it was, uh, so they had the private parking, uh, and what I would try to do is, so they would come in and they would park the car and I only had to get them like the 40, 50 feet from where they parked in the back door while the protesters are on the periphery because they can't come onto the property are yelling at them and doing the, you know, God has a plan for your baby, don't kill that baby inside you, all that sort of stuff. And so my job I felt was just to talk to them and talk over 
whatever these protesters were saying, so they wouldn't even hear it. I would just, they would, as soon as they open the door, that's like, okay, game on, they start yelling, we, I start talking, hi, I'm with the clinic, don't pay any attention to those people, they're not with us, they don't have anything to do with us, we're just gonna walk you in here, it's just this way to the door, the door's right there, and then they'll take care of you inside. I'm not having a conversation with them, I'm just keeping up the chatter, and I, I would equate it to like, when a, a radio DJ at the beginning of a song, there's like a 30 second instrumental portion and he gives you a little bit of the news and weather and then he has to hit the mark and stop talking, you know, right, you know live right. 105 and then, you know, they, they, they launch into twist and shout or whatever it is. Um, so I would just have to keep up the chatter until they got to the, uh, the door and then we'd start over again for the next one. But what, as I mentioned, it's a lot of downtime. We're just standing around, it's cold and they're, either trying to talk to you, the protesters are trying to talk to you, trying to convert you while there's no patience to yell at or whatever, and you don't, we don't have anything to do with them, we talk amongst ourselves, but it's boring, a lot of it's boring. And so, but uh, one of the things I would, uh, I actually came to enjoy about it occasionally was that these are people who are pure antagonists in life, mm. who you don't meet people who you, you don't care what the fuck you say to this person because you don't care what they think mm. and don't matter and you, and, and you think they're scumbags and they think you're a scumbag, they, you know, I'm worse than Hitler. So I would try to make fun of them or criticize them in some way, but I wouldn't usually try to talk directly to them. I would talk about them to like my fellow escorts, but loud enough that they would hear. And there was this one guy who was really annoying and I couldn't stand him. And, uh, and this one time, uh, the problem was when the women would come in a, in a taxi because often the cab drivers were sketchy about leaving people at the abortion clinic. They didn't like it, they wanted to be out of there. And so th if the women got out of the taxi on the far side, the, the protesters side, then the protesters would try to call them over and as if they're with the clinic. And a lot of these women were immigrants and didn't speak English very well or whatever. And then we'd have to be, go over to them, like, no, we're over here. And they, they don't know what's going on. They're not expecting this at all. They're right. just like, I just got this is the, you know, the worst item on my to-do list today is get the abortion. And, uh, and I want to get it done. And uh, so this one time, this woman who's a Latina woman, she, she, she gets out of the cab on the wrong side. And this guy I couldn't stand starts talking to her. And he's trying to find out about her. He's like, where are you from? And she figures out what he's asking. Maybe he tried to speak in broken Spanish. That's the other thing that was funny. As soon as the people would get out of the car, they would try to uh, assess from a distance what their ethnicity was, whether to talk to them in their broken Spanish. <laughs> or, you know, and I'd be, I'd be close and be like, this person is obviously Middle Eastern. And <laughs> but you can't tell or whatever. So, um, so this guy, he asked her where she's from or what country she's from and she says Guatemala. And he says, oh, Guatemala and Mexico, right? And she's like, what? No. And then by this time we've gotten over to her and sort of funneled her back into the, uh, into the clinic and he's, they didn't get, you know, get that as a victory for them to dissuade her from going in. And so, but that was great for me because from then on, I just started, that whole day, I just started talking to my fellow escorts about like, uh, <laughs> how about that Guatemala and Mexico, huh? You ever been to Guatemala, that part of Mexico? It's a beautiful part of Mexico, Guatemala. It's sort of, and, and then I just, I would transition into talking about how, you know, the American education system, these people, they grow up, they go through the education system, they think they're educated, but then they make these 
stupid mistakes. They like they think Guatemala is in Mexico, and the guy hears me, overhears me, and he's like, "No, no, I thought she meant like Guadalajara or whatever." And I'm like, "Not here." And I'm like, "Oh no, this is this is. I mean, it's pathetic. It's it's not stupidity. It's just ignorance. It's not their fault. It's not somebody's fault if they're so stupid or ignorant that they don't know the difference between Guatemala and Mexico." You know, and he's just trying to explain himself, and he's just digging deeper and deeper. So I took to calling him Rand McNally, and whenever he would show up, nice. he would show up. Uh, I, Rand McNally was the. They, Thank you. I was about to say, I had the look. I know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I didn't know. It, it was a, a company that would make atlases. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, the, back when right. people had right. atlases, people didn't have atlases on right. their phones, Rand McNally. So whenever, then from then on, whenever I was there and he showed up, I'd be like, oh, good. Rand McNally's here. Maybe we'll get another geography lesson today. You know, you know. So I, I felt no filter whatsoever about using whatever barbed tongue I have to just make fun of this guy. And he stopped coming. He was so humiliated and uh, and degraded, but he until probably he killed himself, <laughs> he well, probably went down to uh, oh Guatemala. Oh my God! Yeah, I am yeah. worse than Hitler. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that was but it. that was before the internet came. This was the one experience I had had where these are people you can say whatever the fuck you want to them and don't care because they're right. horrible people doing horrible things and you're and just they're. They don't really care about babies. They just want to make these women feel worse than they already do, and just you know make this this horrible experience even more horrible for them, and make them regret it for the rest of their lives or whatever they want to do. And what do you what do you think that, that frenzy comes from? Why? I mean, I I can understand you know like like most issues, I can see both sides. I can certainly understand why people. I mean, abortion's a horrible thing. There's no doubt. Um, and I can understand why people are opposed to it or would say, I, I wouldn't want to yeah. do it myself or I wouldn't want my girlfriend or my daughter or, you know, I can understand that. But why do you care about what someone you don't even know is doing? Why, you know, it, obviously on logical grounds, it makes no sense. Right. Because they don't, you know, they're not like agitating for more money for schools or, you know, running, you know, charities for Ethiopian kids. They don't give a fuck. It's all or just Or they actively oppose birth control exactly, being availability. Right. So clearly they don't really want to reduce the number of there's, abortions. There's no consistency no. in the position yeah. of most of these people. So, but what is it, do you have any insight into what is it that, that is makes a difference between someone who's just uncomfortable about it and opposed to it on philosophical grounds versus someone who gets up on Saturday morning to go scream at desperate, young, sad women? Um, well, it's presumably the religious indoctrination where these women are, when you have sex, you're supposed to be punished for it. And you know there's a consequence to it and this the what they really is drilled into them in, in their religious training i assume is the the idea of consequence free sex is a uh, huge it's something they really object so to so it's not about babies no it's, it has nothing to do with the, babies that sex should be costly yeah Right. That, well, it, it not not that sex should be costly. Sex outside of marriage, typically, right. you know, because that's mostly who they're who they're focusing. And it's not married couples who decide, oh, we don't want a fourth child. But or whatever. how do they know if a woman? Well, they don't. They don't the know, but they married or not. But but the majority they they get lumped in, right. uh, and so it's I'm they uh, they want these people to they want these women to suffer for having committed this sin of extra you know prem or premarital extramarital sex, and you know with the men. I, you know, I'm just guessing, but I, I presume a lot of them maybe are closeted and have these feelings that they have that they feel conflicted by and are really uncomfortable with, and they want to punish other people. And these women, women are, you know, these are uh, uh, easily targeted people who are 
uh, uh, not in a position to defend themselves and they can feel better than, feel more holy than then. I, I mean, but getting inside their heads is, is a, uh, I gotta be honest, the, the, the practice is sort of about trying to feel sympathy for them. Like how, where are they, and with the, the, that they have this energy that, and time that they want to dedicate and they channel it into just making a bad situation worse for people, that, for strangers. Yeah. But that's the way they're going to focus their energy. They're not going to go work at a soup kitchen. They're not going to go donate their time somewhere where it's going to, you know, there's a church. The, the church was right next to the, the clinic, so they were on church property. I'm sure the church could have put them to better use than just uh, uh, trying to <laughs> worsening an already bad situation. Isn't it, isn't it kind of like the same frenzy of people screaming for their home team? Isn't it righteousness? Well, it certainly is righteousness. They, yeah, I mean, they, they oh, they absolutely felt righteous. Yeah. They've also, but they, these people are the extremes. So they're, a lot of them, I think, had mental issues. There was one woman who, she would stand up there, and on the, the, there was a fence for part of it. She would get up on a, a painter's ladder and have another one with an amplifier, and, and she would start singing. Into, like, she was a frustrated lounge singer or something. I mean, <laughs> the characters, they're odd. If it weren't so unpleasant, the, you know, it's, it's comical, these people. People, and they're yeah. crazies. Yeah. So like this, when this woman who's talking who called me worse than Hitler starts talking to me, I'm like, I don't want to, there's no reasoning with her. I'm not going to be like, listen, just leave me alone because you can't even say that. It's yeah. not going to, you know, so it wasn't until she said the outrageous Hitler comment that I had to even give me pause. Yeah. But so these are people who I think a lot of them have mental illness issues and that's how, and I, I don't want to besmirch people who are mentally ill that this is just a manifestation that is unfortunately is uh, uh, harmful to other people and yeah. uh, but the way I got into it is the way you asked. sense of community probably. Well yeah, yeah that's true. I'm, I'm sure yeah they're they're on the same team and yeah. but uh, right. <laughs> so the funny thing about my uncle's clinic where I go is that uh, he's a history professor and there were two sets of protesters the Catholics who were protesting and the evangelical Christians and never the twain shall meet because right. they didn't like each they other either each other, yeah. and so my my uncle would try to sort of foment a little you know they would start talk to him and be like I can't believe you're here protesting with a bunch of papists this is unbelievable <laughs> you're I mean you, like how can you do this and th or, or then they would say you know this is a the United States is a Christian nation founded on Christian principles and then he would start going into how the founding fathers most of them were actually deists and uh, if you look at Thomas Jefferson he cut out every uh, uh, reference to Jesus Christ in his Bible and all this stuff they weren't looking for a history lesson yeah yeah <laughs> but he would he would get offended effective. on the on the grounds as a historian that they were getting the history wrong yeah uh, which that's minor point for most of us yeah you guys want some tacos <laughs> yeah, I, I'll never say no well, to there's, tacos. there's dinner where we're going. Oh, is there dinner? Yeah. There? Oh, all right. All right uh, cool. I don't know what time is it. Should we go? It's, uh, it's 5.20. Uh, it doesn't start till 6, but right. you're going to edit all this out? No, I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> this is the, the, we're going to, Chris was my guest. I, I don't edit, I've never edited anything out of the podcast unless the guest asked me to. Yeah. You know, if the guest was like, yeah, I shouldn't have said that about I had a pa I paused for a moment, like, uh, I was like, wait. Is that what sybaritic means? Am I right about that? I like for like I'm not even sure now. I'm questioning myself. I might have gotten that wrong. But so for the viewers at home, uh, I invited Chris to come for, to the second year in a row to the Young Turks uh, holiday party. party. Yeah, and I'm not a Young Turk. I'm not young, and I'm not Turk. But you're neither am I. But matter of fact, neither is the actual Cenk Uger, who is the host, is yeah. is my age, and he's still Turk. he's still Turkish. But uh, but um, and uh, then you asked if Simon could come along. I'm like the more 
the merrier, fine with me. And then I was like, why would anybody want to go to anybody else's office Christmas party? But who wants to go to their own? Going, yeah, Christmas exactly. Party. It's like it's bad yeah. enough going to their own, especially now in the current climate. Where it was where fun. I won something last year. Did you? Yeah, I remember at the the whatever it was. The, the raffle. The yeah. raffle. Yeah. I won like a. That thing you plug into your TV and it gives you something? I don't know. I give it to my sister. I don't really know how it works. Yeah, you, you, no wonder you want to come back. <laughs> Best <laughs> my party ever. My sister is insisting yeah, I, I, I profit yeah. off this. and yeah. uh, No, it's a good time. You get to see Jenk doesn't usually get real drunk around his coworkers, and he was pretty plastered last year. So yeah. that's maybe I'll, uh, I'll post fun. some video. We can accompany. The <laughs> 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 Since you don't do, uh, do videotape the podcast anymore, we'll, we'll include a you know, video of Jenk. Do you never tape it anymore for visuals or just sometimes? Depends where you are. Didn't you know, you I did it for a while, but it, it, first of all, it adds a lot of extra hassle for uh -huh. me because um, the the sound that the video thing picks up isn't very good so I have to merge it right, with the sound right. from this. You have that cool camera that goes the where talking. Yeah, 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 it's great but it, it you know, it turns out yeah. to just be a pain in the ass. Right. So I think what, what I might do is like Mount it in the van mm -hmm. in Scarlett Johansson mm -hmm. so that if I'm on a road trip with you or Kyle mm -hmm. or somebody, we can just press the button right, and it'll right. like capture cool. the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we, Simon and I recorded a podcast the other day in the car driving down. Uh, and we came out good. The sound was not out, bad yeah. for being going 80 miles an hour on a freeway. Yeah, I mean, cut through the headphones, it sounded yeah. really loud, really noisy, but uh, the, the end product was fine. Yep. Is that uh, what you are now? Are you a professional podcaster now? Uh, I guess because I mean, that's what sort of pays most of the rent. I mean, because yeah. like if you say, "Well, I'm the best-selling author of sex," and oh, when did that come out? Like, oh, how many years ago did it come out? Now, 2010, seven years. Yeah, so it's you know yeah. that's that's I'm not, not to say that it's not still pertinent and germane to you our know, lives. Just won the best one of the best books of in Taiwan the year or something in Taiwan. yeah exactly. no way it's like yeah like a week ago they're like, they I live they're seven years behind us I guess it in, takes you know, a long yeah. time to translate that shit yeah so actually this is one thing I wanted to ask you about that I've wanted to ask you about for a while and I'm glad we can do it in uh, I uh, introduced so myself as an AVN award-winning actor there you go right teleprompter reader quick shitter yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a lightning shitter uh, so this is something that I think is fascinating about you and the life that you lead I is love these kind of questions that uh, you have an expertise and uh, done a, a great deal of research and investigation of the topic of sex and relationships and you know the, the human evolution and all this sort of thing yeah. and so but the uh, so your area of expertise is a subject matter that everybody has opinions about. Yeah. So, like, if you're a, a you, when you meet people at parties, they want to they want to share their opinions about things. Yeah. If you're an electrical engineer and you meet that the people right. at a party, they're not like, you know, what I think the thing about electrical engineering is, <laughs> yeah. or you know, like I I've always wondered I got about a theory about transistors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, or whatever it is. You know, yeah. other professions they don't. They, this doesn't happen. So. How much of, and this relates sort of to Simon having to tolerate people saying Simon says, or I'm sure there are other things right. that, you know, Simon LeBon, I don't know what right, else, you know, right. you get. Um, but, like, people who, we're all, the rest of us are amateurs or novices, but we're all engaging in sex and relationships and so on and so forth as novices, and that's why sure. we're so terrible at it, and, uh, not to mention our culture. But, so, like, how have you had to uh, inure yourself to um, people 
they meet you, they knew, know who you are, they get to find out who you are, and then they want to share their opinions, their thoughts, and their, their theories that they've come up with about some aspect of sex and relationships, and, and you have to sit in a nod and be like, oh, this is like, you know, uh, maybe this is the kind of thing you would dismiss in the first week of a, you know, intro to human sexuality class or whatever, but you have to nod along and act as though what they're saying is really interesting when you've heard it a hundred times. Does that, does that happen for you? Or yeah. It does. I, I don't think I act like it's really interesting, but I try to be, uh, you know, minimally gracious. <laughs> so what, is, what do you get the most? What do people ask you about or say to you, share opinions or questions that, you know, you're just like, here we go again? Uh, well, the thing that's most annoying is when people... Uh, when people want to argue with what they think Sex at Dawn is about. Oh, yeah. You know, and they haven't read it. And, uh, but I'm expected to sort of like defend a position that, you, you know, it's like a lot of times you find yourself saying, dude, just read the fucking book. <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't have time or interest in like recapitulating the whole thing for you here and, and the, you know, so, but that, I mean, honestly, that doesn't happen that often. I, most of the, the interactions that I have with people who've read the book are incredibly yes, interesting. Yes, yeah. well, the people who've read the book and are, are interested in you, I'm not talking about the people who know you and yeah. are excited to meet you because they, I'm yeah. talking about people who are you know, on the I, periphery. I guess, I guess I, to be honest, I, I have to think about it a little, but I think like the, the sort of things that the, 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 the brambles that I try to avoid are like, people who get very threatened by it. So if I'm at a dinner party and someone says, oh, there, Chris you know, co-authored this book uh, with Casilda called Sex at Dawn, and, and I'll see someone go, oh, I've heard of that book, and there's that, mm, you know, and, you know, but don't, and I'll get like, you know, yeah, but don't you think really, you know, we're human, so we can choose the way we behave, right? <laughs> you know, I get that a lot. That, that's you know? great. Like, yeah, and you. Have, I mean, that's and, the that's the eye roll moment for right, me. I would right. Think. And and but but what I try to do, my Aikido, you know, response to that is, you're absolutely right, and the book doesn't advocate anything. So that I always try to get that at the beginning of any social interaction where it, it has the potential to go really awkward. Or like, yeah, it's it's just science. It's not advocating anything. You know, it's. Uh, that this is, we have an appetite for variety that's expressed in food and in music and humor and movies and art and, and in sexual partners. And that doesn't mean, you know, not everyone likes Thai food, you know, but uh, it's, you know, so I, I try to, you know, a cornered animal is very dangerous. Mm. So I try to always, like, there's always a way for people to be like, yeah, I don't agree, but, you know, at least he's not pushing anything on me. Because honestly, I'm not. You right. Know? And most of the aggressive energy I get from people is when they're assuming that I'm an advocate and that I, somehow I'm judging them or saying, you know, and that's one thing. The other thing, the, the sort of thing that I don't know how to deal with, I don't think there is any way to deal with it, is when the whole subject obviously touches a nerve within the marriage and you can see the two of them just like stiffen and the guy's face gets red and it's like, 
I don't, yeah. Let's right, but that is, I mean, but by, by definition, that is what you're talking about in the book. Like, that's what yeah. the book is about. This is why, it, this is explaining why this happens. Yeah. I, if you read my book, you would understand why you have this tension in your marriage yeah. and why he has the urge to stray. Whether you, what do you do about it is up to you. Or but, she. Or she, yeah, well, yeah. I'm just, I'm, yeah, you know, it, it, it I've got this in my way. head, what the yeah. example is. But, uh, One of the f weird, I mean, the, the shit started early. I mean, the whole, some, someday I should write about this or maybe do a dedicated podcast about it or something but the the experience of getting the book published was full of amazing moments where even in the publishing process we were like coming up to people's weirdness you know like like for example uh when we went to cassie and i went to new york when there was this amazing week where i sent off 20 query letters to um, uh, agencies in New York that worked with popular science. I thought, this is the first thing I did, right? I thought they're all gonna say no, but maybe one or two of them will say no because we think it should be more like this or whatever, and I'd take that. And I thought this was gonna be a long process of trying to get some agent willing to give it a shot. So I sent off 20 of these uh, messages on a Thursday and that I found on this website, like mm -hmm. how to, here's how you pitch to a, <laughs> right. you know, and here's a list of reputable agents in New York who work with the, um, so I, I did this one page query letter, I sent it off, by Tuesday, 17 of them had offered representation. Wow. It was nuts. And it, you, it, was, but, it was like you send off your headshot right. to a bunch of agents right. and they're all mm -hmm. like, dude, we'll fly you mm -hmm. to LA, mm -hmm. you know, it was that kind of thing. And so we went to LA and uh, Cassie and I were uh, going to the, so we went from like, please someone pay attention to us to, mm, yeah, I don't know if it's a good fit for us, right. you know, like we're, we're going to dinner later with the, the head of this agency and then we'll have lunch tomorrow and we'll get back to you. It, it was amazing. But we went into this one agency I, and they were, they represented The Onion, I remember, and like Jerry Seinfeld or something. They, they all have like all the books that they right. represent yeah. right in the lobby. and. Um, it was, so the first thing is our appointment's at one o'clock. We're sitting in the, the waiting area and our appointment's with the head of the agency. And we're like right, like right on the other side of this wall is like a kitchen or something. And we can hear everybody talking and laughing. And the guy we're supposed to be meeting with is in there talking and laughing. And 15 minutes goes by and like, mm, we're supposed to meet at two. It's 2.15 now, what's going on? Anyway, finally he comes like, hey, how you doing? Oh, sorry for the wait. Like, dude, we just heard you in there. Like, anyway, so we go into this <laughs> conference room and it's him and his assistant and me and Casilda at this big conference table. And, uh, and it, he's saying things like, um, you know, I've read your, your, because then I sent like a, a proposal or right, something. Right, that's first and last chapter and summary of the, you know, that something sort of thing. Like yeah, that. yeah I, don't, I don't remember exactly, but he had read like more about what, what it was. And he, he was like, I, he, was, he said, you know, this is going to be a bestseller. You know that, right? And I was like, no, well, I, I don't know anything. As the, and he said, this is going to have as much of an impact on American culture as Darwin did. And I laughed. I was like, come on, man. Like, let's be a, let's calm down a little, right? So he was like full of all this hyperbole. Um, and there was a lot of awkwardness between him and he, so he was like 45 something and his assistant who was 25, hot. 
all this weird awkwardness in this conversation clearly they were fucking each other <laughs> and she was about to get married and he was already married mm. so the whole conversation was like there was this meta level at which you know he would say something and she'd disagree like way too energetically <laughs> yeah and you know and they'd look at each other and there was like all oh, this like what the no fuck? it's not going to be a bestseller <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly and when cassie and i were in the elevator we're leaving we looked at each other we laughed we're like did you did you pick up what was going on? like fuck yeah that was wow. crazy and then the guy after saying it's going to be this huge massive bestseller he's like yeah i think we're going to pass yeah like yeah okay my All wife right. and assistant both said that uh, this is, <laughs> they both objected to this book strenuously there were so many like triggered people were triggered three uh publishers were told our agent and told me because you have this long conversation with the editor and they're like we're gonna bid on this monday morning there's gonna be an auction we're in this is gonna be great this is amazing two of them dropped out over the weekend and you don't know why. Well, I do know oh, why. Oh. Finally, I mean, I don't know why. I, well, yeah, I do, I do yes, know why. Yes, you should I definitely know. record a podcast and explain this sometime. Go on. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> hour two, <laughs> two and a half hours in. Uh, yeah, no, I'll do it another time. But another, the guy, the one guy, actually, he, he called me and, and apologized. He was a senior editor. He was at Basic Books. And he said, I've been working here 25 years or something in publishing. I'm senior editor. Never before have I been stopped from bidding on a book that I wanted. This is the only time it's ever happened. The the publisher, right. the, the main, you know, the the CEO or whatever, nixed it. Yeah, and I mean, just people people are like, what? What? This book says what? No. Same thing with HBO. I've had three pitches go to HBO, one of them by one of the founders of HBO, right? Yeah. They all get to Sheila Nevins, who's the head of uh, unscripted <laughs> programming, and they all die right there. Yeah, because she's like, no, we're not going to do that. I'm not going not gonna to have anything that justifies, uh, you know, non-traditional. Well, it's a good thing it was published seven years ago instead of you're trying to get it published today, obviously. Do you think so? I don't know. You're yeah. talking about the sensitivity now yeah. and how Matt know. Damon can't say that there's uh, a difference between grabbing somebody's ass and committing yeah. rape. Yeah. But, I mean, but on the other hand, our book is seen as like a, it, it's, it's seen as a, an ally of the LGBT movement and, you know, all, you know, S&M and all, like all these sort of oppressed sexual subcultures sort of rally around it so i'm not sure where we would but fall. aren't there also the people who are critical of it who don't understand your message who are saying that you're uh you're giving men license to go cheat on their wives that people who, i mean that's there, a, there are some that's my sense of the people yeah. who are critical of right. it who haven't read it who well, that's what they'll say yeah. and you have to explain no because i because i found it so interesting people's reaction because you had Thaddeus Russell, you remember, who told you that your book ruined his marriage, which is a great way to start a conversation. Uh, but uh, that reading your book, I thought, I'm not saying it improved my marriage, but uh, I, I found it was a, a revelation in two ways. One, it's like you don't have to feel guilty about thoughts that you have. Right. They're perfectly natural. What you do about them is up right. to you, exactly. but it's not like it's a personal failing that you have for having these thoughts. And the other thing relates to being a parent 
and not being afraid of a daughter's sexuality. Like, you know, the, I don't really, I don't make those jokes about, oh, well, when she turns 13, she's, I'm going to lock her in the basement, you know, until I won't let her out, because that's an expression of this fear of women's sexuality and, and that, you know, that the, uh, the men and fathers have, you know, this whole notion yeah. of, you know, yeah, you better have her home by 11 and I'll be out on the porch cleaning my shotgun and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Like that, when you say that, that, that's a message to the daughters as well and that says that I'm afraid of your sexual I don't like you know you can't I'm not gonna let you or feel comfortable about you expressing yourself in this way that's perfectly natural yeah and so I feel like it's made me a better parent mm. uh, uh, in, in that way you know we'll see how the results <laughs> you know, she, I'm, st I'm still her parents so her father so she's got a lot there's a lot of downside to it also <laughs> let's be honest yeah. uh, she's got to put up with me well, that's but how I found out about the book my buddy went to he was telling me about it and uh, he couldn't find it on the shelf he's like god damn it did my wife throw the second copy away <laughs> Two really? of them, gone. Really? Yeah, he couldn't find it. And he's like, just go get this book. And so he was going to give it to me to read, and she had thrown it away twice, my friend's wife. What he went and bought it again. That? She's a traditional Korean woman, very threatened by it, maybe. I don't, I don't know. He said, in the end, there was so many other reasons. They ended up splitting up. They had a couple of kids, but that's how I found out. So mm -hmm. I met you through my buddy introducing me to your book. But yeah, it was thrown away twice, and he was pissed. He's like, God damn it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard I've heard a bunch of stories of people throwing away the book. I threw Neil Strauss's book against the wall. Um, the uncomfortable stick? truth about relationships. The truth. The truth. Yeah. yeah, an uncomfortable. I threw that one against the wall because it triggered some things that were really resonated with me. Were you angry or just no the, more? Yeah, it was. It was like son of. It wasn't even. It was more just like. Uh, this makes sense. God damn it! You know some of the enmeshing things and right. why my relationships were. It just. Right. It, Connected. Wow. I want to feel something. How many books make you throw them against the wall? Actually, yeah. I told him at your house I threw it against the wall a couple of times. He's like, right on, man. Yeah. You like that? <laughs> well, that's, I mean, it's just like these publishers, like, you're getting a strong reaction. They're not just like, blah, yeah. you know, whatever. I mean, at least you're getting a strong reaction. I, I did the same thing with Mein Kampf when I read <laughs> you it. Threw it I, against like, the wall three oh, times I wish yeah. I had read, written this, right. you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're worse than that. You're worse I'm worse, you know. Yeah. Worse, you know. <laughs> you're a worse writer than Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's end it there. I'm I'm tired, and Simon's eyes are glazing. Well, they're always they, they're always glazing. And more people walking in. <laughs> let's wrap it up. Right, Perfect timing. Hey Dave. Hi. Hey Dave. <laughs> Dave's stealing office equipment. Yeah. No, Dave's the one uh, who I mentioned earlier who said that the company was not going to pay one nickel for the, the iguana. Oh, that's <laughs> it. Oh, all right. He's not to say he's tight fisted or anything, or, you know, just because he's Jewish or anything like that. Nothing like that. Just it's just that he, you know. He, I. But speaking of like weird reactions. I, I don't know. I guess I could say this. It's all public knowledge. Nobody's going to get this far I, into the podcast. No, I mean, they're, all, they're all gone. Yeah. It's just us guys <laughs> at this point. Um, I did one of the first shows I did here, The Point, I think uh -huh. it was. It was me and two men. Two, I fr and I can't remember exactly who they were at this one point. One was Hugo Schweitzer, I think, who was the professor at, uh, who, yeah. at, at uh, L.A. City College Exa or somewhere near exactly. Pasadena oh, City yeah, College. Oh, yeah, there was the, the guy, kind of nerdy dude. Um, oh, fuck, I was, he, he had a show that I was on as well. I forget his name. Nice guy. He, he's friends with the Boing Boing crowd. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, something Australian. Boingo, uh, boingo, uh, that, whatever, whatever. This is like the worst episode of Password ever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, so I was with those two guys, and this was when Sex of Dawn was just out, and we were talking about sexuality and whatever. And after the taping ended, they were both like, 
uh, yeah, I mean, like they, they were t- like doing taking the mics away and shit, and they were both like, yeah, dude, I don't know, your things, you know, your book sounds interesting, but you know, I'm I love my wife, I would never cheat on her, I would never do anything, and I remember like saying like, you know, fine, you know, this isn't about the, what you need to do, this is just about feelings, and I, I said, do you guys look at porn? And they were like, yeah. And I said, do you always look at the same actress? Like, no. Like, well, then you're not <laughs> fucking monogamous, right? By impulse. Anyway, you know what happened to Hugo Schweitzer. Yeah. <laughs> he was fucking his students. <laughs> yeah. And he was lying. He was one of these, like, feminist, you know, stand up for the women. But those he, all these women you gotta, out. Those ones you got to look at a couple of times. Those are the he ones. He wasn't that, only fucking them. He was, like, abusing them. Yeah, apparently. it was. I mean, he it lost his really job. And it was, he was, yeah. like, totally disgraced. Fucking guy's lying. <laughs> well, he was lying to himself, and right, obviously, right. I mean, and the yeah. rest of he's living likes. a lie. But there's, like, yeah. obviously, when people have this this visceral negative reaction to your work, they're to anything, you know, you're, they're feeling threatened. And when you feel that when you're reading something, it's it's about you. It's not right. about the book. I mean, right. you got to start well, doing it's like some a, work what's, yourself. What's where I always say, what's worse than a girl saying "I hate you" is completely ignoring you. <laughs> yeah. You'd rather because right. right. opposite of love isn't hate. Because lo- hating is still loving. You right. still care, it's but not care. Yeah. When a girl just doesn't when doesn't reply, that hurts a lot worse than you, son. Because like, oh, she cares. Yeah. You know? I just read a really good short story. If anyone's still listening to this, uh, it's online. It's called Cat Person. I don't. The, the author's name is written by a woman. It's in a recent issue of the New Yorker. So oh yeah, this made a this was a big. Uh, it turned, I didn't know that until I read. I made read a big it. stink. I read it and then I like looked it up, see if it was online because I wanted to send the link to a friend. And then like the first three hits on Google were like, it's one of the most read stories in the history of the New Yorker, and people are freaking out about it on on every different site. It's so well written. And What's it called? It's called Cat Person. Cat Person. And it's um, it it basically takes you through. Uh, a budding relationship between a 20-year-old woman and a guy who's like in his early 30s, how they meet, the texting, um, the sort of like what each of them is thinking is happening, Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, sexual uh, interaction. And it it looks at it from the it's mi- mostly from the the woman's perspective but there are glimpses of the man's perspective as well and it's so fucking well done um that you're like you get into this girl's head and what what she's attracted to and mm-hmm. what you know like the doubts and the how her attraction toward him is really an expression of her own ego in certain ways and anyway it's very well written and and it's all about just how we don't understand each other we don't know what the other person is thinking and we misinterpret everything and it gets Mm -hmm. all twisted up and weird and we end up hurting each other and and don't even know why or how it's it's really well Well, like neil strauss when you open the first page of the truth it has a puzzle of a man and a woman and the puzzle piece is missing from the man's brain and a piece is missing from the woman's heart and i go that's it because every time i've argued with the girlfriend it's like well i think that and she's saying but i feel like you and you're just coming from completely different wavelengths right and that's what that book the first page oh i'm like i'm gonna like this yeah 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 this is speaking to me yeah, there's a there's a book called You Just Don't Understand by a linguist named Deborah Tannen. I think it came out in the maybe 80s or 90s, and it's about how men and women, you know, it's basically that it, she she did all these studies and she found that 
you know, when there's a problem, your, your, your woman comes home from work and she's like, there's this issue in the office, whatever. The man will typically listen and say, well, what you should do is, you know, da 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 Right. And she'll get all pissed off about that because she's not looking for advice. Right. The guy, when guys get together, we try to help each other solve the problem. Like your car's right, not. Right, uh, right, so right. That's how our the brains work. Right, right, right. Whereas when women get together, they share, they want to share the right, problem. Right, they want right. to feel heard. Right, right. So she just wants you to shut up and listen and not offer any fucking yeah, solutions. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. And for us, that's like, what's the point? Right. Why, why am I spending an hour here if we're not going to solve the problem? Right. There's, there's a scene in the movie White Man Can't Jump between Woody Harrelson and Rosie Perez where they, they do this. She's They're uh, lying in bed together and she she complains about having a dry mouth and he gets up to go get her a glass of water and she says, I didn't ask you for her to get me a glass of water. And he says, you said you had a dry mouth. So I lay in. And she said, you know, she explains that she doesn't want him to solve her problem. She wants him to empathize with her feeling of dry mouthedness. <laughs> <laughs> and they end up getting in a big fight, and you know yeah. he storms off. Uh, but th this is uh, this is something like I'm, I've been married for uh, you know, a lot of seventeen years, and uh, it's it's a hard lesson for men to learn that you know, when she just wants to uh, to unload and doesn't want you to be like, yeah, okay, let's let's develop a plan. Here's the plan. Here's right. what we're gonna do. Uh, but you know, the great thing is that now you know you can just hold on. You have your cell phone with you, and you can just scroll through Twitter while she's talking. And right. you know, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. I listen. I pay close attention. And uh, uh, but yeah. So the, but it's actually emancipating because you don't actually have to do anything except pay attention. It's a fucking waste of time, though. <laughs> I guess why, it's all about sacrifice, right? That's what it's all about, sacrifice. So if you got to give up 30 minutes every other day and make them feel better, so do it. You know what I mean? That's I, why I'm an actor. That's why I'm a mediocre actor. I just <laughs> pretend. And just lay that, you know. And speaker, and that's why the phones are great, too, because your girl, if she's not, it, you know, she calls you, just put that on speaker. Uh-huh. Yeah, babe. Oh, no, I'm with you. Know. Yeah, yeah. Right? I well, mean, see, not that I'd ever do that. I just heard. On the phone, it's better. See, yeah. I, I'm sort of of the opinion, opinion that men and women probably shouldn't live together. Yeah, no, I, that's a good point. Because or maybe anyone. Because maybe the, the thing child is, is, I don't think that it's inherently. I don't think the woman's perspective on this is inherently superior. You know, I, I don't. You know, why? Why does the seat have to be down on the toilet? How come? How come the default position isn't up? You know, why do we assume that down is the because better position? Because ladies first. Yeah. Ladies first. Uh oh, are you about to launch into a men's rights MRA? Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's just, it, it, it's, I'm not, I'm not, it's, it's a quality, you know, like the, the, you forcing me to sit here and listen to something I really don't care about. It's like you're into um, Thanksgiving. I'm not. So the default is I need to dress up and cut the turkey. Who's going to carve the bird? What a weird expression that is, by the <laughs> it way. It does sound like a euphemism for something. Right? <laughs> it does. Oh, is Grandpa going to carve the bird again? Oh, no. Oh. He's too old for that. <laughs> you know, when you, oh, in my younger days, sure, I carved the bird three, four times a night. It sounds like a skateboarding move or right? something. I'm going to carve the bird. <laughs> it's a Tony Hawk move. Yeah. Um, but you know, like you're into Thanksgiving, good. Go to fucking Thanksgiving with your friends and leave me alone. I'm not gonna force you to watch college football with right. me. Right, but there are some men who do. 
Like, well, they're assholes. Right. But when women force the men to do the things they want to do, that's considered just normal marriage. But the thing that the man forces the woman to do is leave him alone. Or blowjobs. <laughs> well, I don't know about force. Let's, let's, now we're all going to get in trouble. We're going to be, we're gonna be uh, ostracized like Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> I, see, I don't think I have anything to lose. I think Matt Damon, I think I'm, I'm impervious to this stuff. Yeah, just like Donald Trump told knows. black people, what do you have to lose? <laughs> right? Yeah. You're living in hell. Everyone's got something to lose. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so we're all learning. We're all learning. Anyway, no, the, the joke with the blowjob, you know, why the woman's smiling at the wedding? Because she knows she'll never give another blowjob. That's, yeah, that's right. the joke. That's a, big, that's a joke in Spain. That's yeah. why I haven't gotten married yet. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the, I, this is actually my repeat performance, the return, because when you first were doing these, and like it was more like a test run, we did a pilot, like your yeah, fifth you or sixth on, podcast. Like one of the very early yeah. ones. Yeah, and I remember regretting afterwards, you know, I didn't tell you to cut it out, but I remember, and I know nobody's listening anymore but at this point, so it doesn't matter, <laughs> but I remember saying that the, one of the ways you know that you're, you've been married for a long time is when you masturbate and you fantasize about your own wife. Because oh, it's been that long, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> like, like that would be hot. Oh yeah, I would really like yeah. I have some uh, action yeah. with my own wife. Well, that's something you and I have in common. I, I fantasize about your wife too. <laughs> there you go. That's great. Yeah. Uh, that's and, like and the his Louis. girlfriend. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, you can fantasize about it all you want. That's like that. All Louis. I fantasize about is about being Simon right. for like two days in my twenties. That would uh, be more than enough. Yeah, that what was that? I, and and uh, Louis had that joke um, where he said that. Uh, his girlfriend said to him, "When you're masturbating, are you are you thinking about me?" And he's like, "Are you joking? That's magic! I could envision anything I want, and you really think I'm choosing you?" There's a whole rant about that. Louis C.K. Yeah. Well, and then he ended up getting in trouble for his dick in his hand, huh? Yeah. Let's not even open that one, huh? Yeah, yeah. Let's not take that. He'll one be back in it. a year and a half or two years, probably. Is that the prediction? My buddy has my buddy had an idea. He goes, "I want to start an agency called The Blacklist, with everyone getting banned." And just use them to create amazing. I mean, there's some talented people getting put on the outside right now. He's yeah. like joking, saying, uh, "I want to start an agency called the Blacklist with yeah. Harvey." And just have the most talented pool of yeah on the Blacklist. Wanna, I wouldn't want to work with Harvey Weinstein. No, he's a maniac. Fuck that guy. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, well, he's but, a. I mean, he's a criminal. Yeah, yeah that, that's yeah. the spectrum. I mean, Louis. Louis, I've got some sympathy for he, he's troubled and he was obviously working that stuff out on stage i mean you look at his act it's so much of it is about being a creepy unattractive man who's i'm like sure harvey weinstein was also troubled you know that yeah the, but he wasn't but he doesn't have that you know the redeeming quality of like being as open about it as he possibly could feeling bad about it self-deprecating exactly yeah. so here's my question about louis uh is and I was talking recently about this with somebody. It's like, what was he hoping was? What, what he was he getting what he wanted, or was he expecting the women to be like, oh, goody, goody, now let's go. Like, the, like that was going to turn them on, and he, there would be a sexual interaction between him and them, or did he just want them to be present while he did this? My sense is the latter, but that's but my I don't sense know. also. And, uh, and what about the fucking Weiner, Anthony Weiner? You know, <laughs> like what? He and also broke the law, but the law is a bullshit law. It's ridiculous. Mm. I mean, uh, <laughs> he never touched anyone. He never... This girl saw his... And did she even see his dick, or was it just in his underwear? I, I think, think that was, was two different things. Underwear. The things he's going to jail for are not the... Uh, are, is 
relates to him continuing to do it afterwards and doing it with underage girls. I don't know exactly what he did, but yeah. the fact that she was underage is what was the problem, I think, yeah. uh, uh, with Wiener. But yeah, but he's got to be thinking, <laughs> Donald Trump is still president, yeah. and I had to quit as, and I'm going to jail. Right. He's going to prison. Yeah, and Corker just changed his vote on this tax bill uh, in, in exchange for a couple million dollars, at least, of, of benefits. But Rod Blagojevich is in prison for selling, trying to sell a yeah. Senate seat. Yeah. It's the same fucking thing. It's yeah, he, Blagojevich committed illegal, was involved in illegal corruption. Bob Corker is involved in perfectly legal corruption. And also with this tax bill, if it takes away uh, the Obamacare mandate, there will be, people will die. Yeah. People are going to die because yeah. of Thousands this. Thousands of people will I die. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, you can't, but, but yeah, there's a lot of people are going to die. A lot more people than, as you pointed out, your good friend Charles Manson. Yeah. Uh, Charles Manson Never. didn't kill anybody didn't and was par anybody. participated in the killing of six people, and he is the the pure evil, yeah. whereas Bob Corker is still going to be a person in good standing who was respectable senator, or you know George yeah. Bush. Uh, I mean, uh, we're rehabilitating George Bush the second, or the, you know George W. Bush when he is uh, really a mass murderer and uh, responsible for a lot more deaths than any of these people on death row are. Um, and even Barack Obama had a list of people, a death list, a kill list of people that he just who you know, extrajudicially were going to be executed, including Americans. But he is in a, even you know now people are dreaming about having right. him come back. With so. an 80 percent uh, collateral damage, 80 well, yeah, percent innocent people right. killed in those drone strikes. The drone yeah. strikes is the—that's all the drone strikes. I mean, but we also were engaging in double taps. Where this is a fun way to end the the, the podcast. But you know, we would uh, uh, have a, um, a strike on like a wedding. And then people, the the, the uh, um, first responders, whatever they're the equivalent of in Afghanistan, would come, and then we'd hit them again. We did that. That's America. That's that. the United States, and that's the kind of thing that we'd say Al Qaeda would do, and that's yeah. the horror that they would. Terrorist. But the people who are responsible for those decisions are all in good standing and are not. But but Anthony Weiner has to go to prison. Yeah. So it's a uh, it's a fucked up world. You're right about that. You convinced me. Civilized to death. Yeah. When's it coming out anyway? Prob well, I I have I talked to my editor the other day. Uh, I'm doing like a f uh, well, final. I'm doing a, an edit. The manuscript is, as far as I'm concerned, the manuscript's done. I'm I'm tightening it, and, mm -hmm. and you know, there might be add a chapter here or add this. The problem is you keep getting we keep giving you more fodder for the everyday's newspaper. Well, see, has, that's part of it. Yeah. The, the subject matter is so big. I've collected so much fucking material that it's it's just, it's I can't manage it, you know? I like the idea of you calling your editor and be like, yeah, I'm working hard. I'm feverishly getting it done. And the editor's like, yeah, how much did you get done during that three-hour conversation you had yeah. with Simon and Malcolm? <laughs> or the, you know. Speaking of supervisors. Or, or the two months you were living in the van this summer. Because yeah. I think he follows me on social media. So it's Oops. like, I I can't lie about anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Chris, I, I got this. I uh, went on Twitter. It seems like you've blocked me. <laughs> I should. I should block him. I Fake should. picture of your hands in a typewriter. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Work at art. Or what you could, this is, this is what you could do. This is uh, what I, uh, I, I believe that like uh, teenagers are doing. I suspect they're doing. Uh, I'm going to watch my daughter. Masturbate. Um, no, create like a separate Twitter feed 
for your professional Twitter feed, oh, like yeah. working hard oh, yeah. on the manuscript, yeah, you know, yeah, and give yeah. give uh, your editor, you know, whoever that that, and then so like the the kids, they have the the Facebook profile that they use right. for their friends and everything, and then they have the one they give to their parents, and that's for like when if they ever get to go apply for a job. So right. it's like all your updates and that one are like right. you know another late night in the library, even though it's a right. Friday, you know, <laughs> and all the like the nude selfies and everything else right, that yeah. goes on the other uh, uh, social media sites. But yeah, you could have when you know to like. Uh, uh, professional athletes, a lot of them have their, their, their phone for their wife, and then they're, oh, yeah. you know. The burner si line. You, you know this, Simon, I bet Simon's been so there. I'm not a two-phone guy, though. I'm a single-phone guy. I got, but my friend, I told you about the, 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 the PIMP, he's got a couple phones. He <laughs> might even have three phones. He's busy like that. Me, one phone guy. You're just a single Can't do the two phones. Is it because it'd be too hard to keep it straight? Uh, that's my yeah. difficulty. I would have. I would. I would not. I would. I would blow my own cover. Yeah, maybe within that's a week. it. Uh, maybe that would be it. But I don't really have. I'm pretty transparent. There's nothing for me to hide. So, I, but if I had to, or if I live some double life, right, then I, I could see why that would make sense. But or maybe but you're just telling us this. There's a program you can get. An app called Hushed that gives you a second number in the same phone. Oh, that's great. So you can keep like a totally separate oh, that's uh, great. identity. I got it. I got there was some like special deal. I got a lifetime number for 30 bucks or something. <laughs> We're big fans of the book. I've never used it. Never used it. <laughs> this book has been great for our business. Thank you very much as a token of our appreciation, Chris, yeah. for your work. We're going to give you a phone number. Yeah. Yeah. Sponsored by <laughs> uh, speaking of, of nude selfies. You what's you, what's your Instagram uh, feed? Uh, Simon Rex four one five. Simon Rex four one five. That's it. Because I got to change the name. I just someone used my name, so I just use my hometown area code. But now it yeah. just sounds like I'm a, a rapper. Oh wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, did, uh, what was it like? Big Daddy with no babies or something? Oh, that's that's just my uh, you know my my tagline is uh, number one dad with no kids. Number one dad with no kids. Yeah. And what does that mean? Well, you know the girls call you daddy if you're like it's a, like a term for a, you're, oh you're so like, girls say that oh you're so daddy like you're a good looking older guy is a term so as a joke really? I I'm referring to myself as the number because wow. you see number one dad on a mug yeah. but I'm the number one dad with no kids. Uh, see this is the kind of thing. Simon earlier was talking about how we would mention some reference or whatever and he doesn't know. Yeah, this, uh, is, this is, is the I'm the, uh, this is the opposite. I'm like, other, you know like, how it is how girls yeah. call you Big Daddy. You know? Yeah, you guys yeah. got to explain who Tipper Gore is and I got to explain <laughs> I get it. On that note, I got to piss like a hostage, so I'm unplugging, right? <laughs> All right, we're saying goodbye to Simon. Yeah. Simon's gone. And then let's hit that party. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, speaking of Daddy, I, I heard this story about a woman who was, uh, she's with this dude and the guy told her that it would turn him on if she called him daddy mm -hmm. when they were fucking. And so she wanted, she was like trying to remember and they're in the process of fucking and she said like, oh, that's, that's great father. <laughs> 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 and he stops. He's like, no, mm, no, mm, daddy, yeah. not father. Yeah, this is this is not the kind of thing where you can just break out the thesaurus and go with anything. <laughs> oh, father. Oh, yeah. No, did, I, I think the relationship ended that night. Oh, that's yeah. that's sad. I'm yeah, uh, I'm, sad. I'm sorry, but it, it is funny the way Simon and you know his demeanor is just. Like his lifestyle, the life that he has led is one that other people are supposed to relate to in any appreciable way, which is preposterous.
<laughs> he's super good looking. He was a model, an MTV, you know, VJ and actor, and you know, he's friends with Paris Hilton. He's like, you know how it is. You're driving your Porsche. It's not me. But yeah, the yeah. Porsche isn't me. But it's a convertible, and I got four supermodels. And yeah. that's not me either. I'm, yeah. I'm usually just like a two supermodel guy. Tops. He tries to be modest that way. <laughs> he drives a Prius now, yeah. so he's coming down. But I, do you follow? I'm just like I drive a minivan. Do you follow him on Instagram? I don't. I'm not on Instagram, so I don't. Uh, do. Instagram is one of the only ones. It's Facebook. I fuck Facebook. Yeah. But uh, Instagram and Twitter, I do. But like his, basically his entire public persona at this point is making fun of people like him. Right. So there is a sense. In yeah. Which he lived he, in he and really now he's parodying it. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's actually it's very uh, endearing. But he did he did very literally funny. lived it. He's not just parodying it in a way that he didn't actually experience it. He actually lived that yeah, life. Yeah. I mean, he's interviewed Tupac and hung out with you know, you know Snoop Dogg and yeah the, yeah he, he's and I uh, and I have a minivan and uh, <laughs> and you know I, the the two point three children and I go to PTA meetings yeah. and uh, you know it's uh, it's I. I I write a local a column for the local newspaper, which is you know that's the daily newspaper that comes out once. Yeah, a week. the Palo Alto Daily News that comes out every Friday. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Man. The Daily News, but comes out once a week. Yeah, right, uh, and you know I'm leading this uh, very conventional lifestyle. I mean, I'm not necessarily a conventional person in other ways, but from appearances, you know, yeah. it certainly would uh, you know have a steady job and uh, and then I get you know Simon just sits down and he's like well you know when you know, <laughs> you're banging one supermodel and another one's calling you on the phone and you know you know how that is that's why you <laughs> have to have only one phone if you had two phones yeah. you'd never get anything done I love it but I love you know I love the parody and the, the you know I mean the, it was so funny because just uh, as I, I emailed to Chris or text him or whatever uh, like two days ago I was showing my daughter the uh, sexy and I know it video. Uh, oh, that too was, oh, he was the one to, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait, I gotta turn you back up again. You're, I'm back. Simon's I'm back. back. I'm Simon's back. back. Oh, that's who, oh, so does, uh, as your kids was like that a, LMFAO? Was that a deuce? Or it was a number one. A number one. Yeah, I just had to you look didn't at my, splash, I did you? No, I washed my hands and I did looked at my phone. you ever piss in the sink? I've done that in my own house. I've done that in my I, own I piss apartment. in the sink all the time. It's, you don't get run the water. You run the water. You're splashing around, it's gone. The neighbors look at you weird, but. I, I was doing that one time. I was at a dinner party, mm -hmm. and I went to this, and yeah. it was kind of an awkward party. Right. And you know, it was with this doctor in Spain, and all. That, and I really had to piss. And I went into the bathroom, and and I well, I meant the kitchen sink. <laughs> no, I was pissing in the I bathroom. I pissed in the sink. kitchen sink. Oh yeah, I pissed. <laughs> okay, okay. I piss in the dishwasher. Is that wrong? Yeah. <laughs> Depends if it's on. <laughs> Garbage disposal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so, um, so afraid of those, uh, those those fish or whatever in the in the Amazon. Oh, they like, swim up your swim piss up stream. Your piss yeah, stream. But, they, yeah. but that's I think that a real thing. Yeah, the, the so image is micro, like a microbe yeah, or something. You have to, like you it. always like shake it while you're I, pissing. I, in I think that's. Uh, I, I don't, and you don't piss when you're swimming. Right. Oh. I think it's more when you're in the water. When you're actually peeing in, like you know. Off the riverbank, I, I think that's I, highly unlikely. Bullshit, but I've heard that they can swim up the stream. But I think what they're day. doing, they're doing it in the water. They're swimming right. up the stream in the water. I think yeah. I, this is. You know, well, I don't I mean, know. You I can can, if you're pissing in a lake and lightning hits the lake, it'll electrocute you. <laughs> really? It'll go right up your piss stream. No shit. <laughs> Always break up the piss stream. This is what I'm saying. Really? It's, it's break it up by going. You stop. Go. Stop. No, go. No, stop. No, go. Just shake your dick. Especially in a thunderstorm. If you're going to be pissing into a lake in a thunderstorm. In a thunderstorm. Never knew that. Yeah. Uh, so wait, your your kids at like LMFAO? Is that how you saw well, that? Well, my my daughter, my okay. other two kids are a little younger, but oh, yeah, okay. she, I mean, yeah. my my youngest son was like, "What on earth is that?" He's eleven. He's like, "What's so going on?" Funny. I hadn't seen it until you. Oh, was that the one where I did the mom? 
front, we're doing a, there's like a five minute uh, act before the video starts where I'm, I'm playing an announcer. Is that the one no, it was? No, you just on a bike. Okay, that's a, I've done a, those are my friends, so I've done a few videos with them, but uh, there's another one that's much more drawn out where I'm, they're, they're, what's that thing called? The ice uh, puck thing where you kind of shave stick? the ice and you go. Oh, uh, curling. Curling. Oh, you're, you're so sweeping I'm the, the announcer curling? at a curling event and it's like, hi, act. hey, we're here at the curling. It's another one of their videos. Yeah. Uh, you're 15 year old would know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, probably. I, you know, she keeps me. Yeah. All she, right, let's go. Let's go. Okay, let's go. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. So Simon yeah. Rex 415 or whatever yep, the fuck it, it was, and uh, you're not on social media. I'm on Twitter. You know, I'm on Twitter. Oh yeah, yeah Malcolm's I, on Twitter. My my Twitter handle is Culture Schlock because it's the name of my column. S Culture and then S H L O C K because I thought that was a clever play on words when I was coming up with the title for a newspaper column. It's pretty good Yiddish for a non-Jewish guy. It's not, it's not so good for when it's my Twitter handle, but that's, that's all right. There's nobody listening at this point anyway. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Thanks for listening, both of you. Catch you next time. <laughs> Thank you for hanging out. Uh, if you'd like to support the podcast and are financially able, go to patreon.com and search for Tangentially Speaking. You enter your credit card, tell them you want to give me a buck, five bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, 50 bucks, 200 bucks, and then they'll just automatically ding your credit card and you don't have to think about it again. Uh, if you don't have uh, the money to do that, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Tell your friends about the podcast, write a review on iTunes, or just enjoy the podcast. It doesn't matter. I want to thank Basin and Range for that intro music. The song's called Bright Side of the Sun. And you can check them out at basinandrangeband.com. If you want to talk about the podcast, you can go to Reddit, where there are a few thousand people chatting about the podcast. Uh, I drop in and answer questions, post photos, uh, whatever. Pretty cool community there. Another forum where you can meet fellow listeners to this podcast is at t eight. No, sorry, tspeaking.boardhost.com. This has been set up by a listener to enable people to um, register and uh, their different states and countries so you can find people who live near you, get together, have a beer, smoke a bowl, eat some mushrooms, dance under the moonlight, however you celebrate these things. You'll find uh, like-minded spirits on that. It's Again, it's tspeaking.boardhost.com. Dot com. And uh, if you want to get some T-shirts, we have the Civilized to Death shirts, Sex at Dawn shirts, Tangentially Speaking shirts. They're all in my mom's garage. She will get them out to you in a jiffy. Julie, my mom, is one of the most efficient people you will ever meet. So you can find those on my website. That Chris Ryan, ChrisRyanPhD.com, TangentiallySpeaking.com, whatever. You'll find them. Just look in the store there. If you want to buy some other T-shirts from the same manufacturer, that Sure Design T shirts they are fantastic i know i say this is an ad free podcast uh and this could be construed as an ad but sure design t-shirts have been supporting this podcast since its inception bennett who was the dude there decided he was going to support the podcast he sent me a bunch of shirts uh at an extreme discount to uh, help us out since bennett died the people who took over sure design t-shirts.com uh have decided to continue giving us the same deal that bennett gave us so be sure to use the discount code CTD, as in civilized to death, when you order anything from them and you'll get 20% 
20% 20 off your entire order. That's the discount code CTD, and that's at suredesigntshirts.com. Thank you to Carsey Blanton for the song you're about to hear. You can check her out at carseyblanton.com. She performed this little ditty, especially for us. Sounds like she was sitting in her garage. You can hear the birds chirping. The song is called Smoke Alarm, and it's a reminder to live now because you're going to die one day. This is for you guys, Bennett and Justin. Miss you. He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm gonna die one day. Why do you waste your time thinking about your reputation? Trying to meet an expectation, wondering what they're gonna say. Doesn't ask for much A little music and a soft touch Why don't you let it out to play Your heart is in a birdcage Singing in your chest You wanna shut it up but give it a rest You're gonna die one day Why do we waste our time Thinking about a reputation to the ground. 